The pungent stench of smoke and burning flesh chokes the air of a now ruined hamlet just across the border between Nirmathas and Malthoon. Dozens of armored creatures of various shapes and sizes stomp through the nearby expanse of flat farmland, setting fire to anything not worth looting or killing. What had once been a communal barn now smolders in a charred heap. Blackened limbs protrude from underneath bits of the burning debris. Some distance away, two figures stand underneath a tense canopy. I will ask once more. Did any survivors escape this time? No, General. The attack was swift and unexpected. None made it more than 50 yards from the furthest field. There is no chance that word of our advance will spread. Good. See that it stays that way. I'd rather not see a repeat of the mistakes made at Feindar. General Azersi casts a sharp glare at Lieutenant Scabviston. Now that we have finally won over the rest of the monster regiments, and with most of their forces tied up at Krakadan and Fort Ramgate, Malthun is virtually undefended. And by the time they realize this, we will be knocking at the gates of Kenneret. General Azersi surveys her forces. Soon, we will have a place to call our own. A home. One the humans and dwarves will not be able to steal. Where all so-called monsters can gather in peace. Can you see it, Lieutenant? Lieutenant Skabviston fakes a smile, though it looks more like a grimace. Of course, General. All the Iron Fang Legion eagerly awaits such a pleasant place. Xerxes' hand instinctively moves to feel the decade-old wound at her abdomen. The scar throbs slightly. I have seen enough. Finish your tasks here and return to Feindar. We have heard too little about the fugitives of Feindar. Their lack of activity concerns me. Perhaps they met their end at the hands of that mercenary, Kahal. He seemed formidable. Azersi shakes her head. No, they live. Xenothera has told me that much. Her simulacrum was destroyed some time ago. They are likely gathering information that I had been too rushed to properly conceal. Be prepared, Lieutenant. Do not assume the stalemate at Kragadan will remain stagnant forever. We must finish our campaign here quickly. Do not let down your guard, just because our advance into Morthun has been effortless thus far. Of course, General. I will finish giving orders and return by tomorrow. My forces will remain alert. With that, Skabviston salutes Azersi, who nods in approval before walking out from under the tent towards a small onyx black tower and disappearing into its open archway. And with that, welcome back everyone to Iron Fang Invasion. We are beginning book five. We are now on the final third of the campaign. Last session, you guys had cleared out finally the Reliquary of Ascension in Kragadan's Vault Way at the behest of the Even-Handed Synod specifically Prince Gorm Greathammer. Over the course of your mission, you discovered the truth behind what led to the conflict between Kragadan and Malthoon, as well as information about the ancient artifact used by Kragadan himself in his quest for Sky, known as the Onyx Key. You defeated the ghost of the Iron Fang Legion's former spymaster, the Medusa Elachnida, 
and unpetrified a human man who turned out to be Kieran's missing brother, Raiden Teralia. After hearing his story, Kieran and Jessup came up with a plan for him to escape before his presence could further complicate the delicate political situation in Kragadan. You had hoped to question Elachnida's corpse, but her spirit resisted your spells, and hoping to prevent her rejuvenation, you destroyed the petrified hobgoblin and gug, and then unpetrified the final victim, a dwarven woman named Belichal, who had been sent by the Synod as part of Kragadan's original investigation team. And so, having completed your mission, you returned to give your report to the Synod the next morning. So, going back into the campaign here proper, are there any details you, as a party, wish to embellish or conceal from your report to the Synod? If not, we can skip the actual report, because since it would basically just be repeating what I just recapped. But if there's any details you wanted to alter, just let me know. Not from Gideon's part. He'll give an honest report. Yeah, not from Orin. Jessup's good. Then, uh, I guess we will assume that you guys basically just told it how it was. And, uh, so you stand in the office of Prince Gorm Greathammer, accompanied by Royal Archivist Kerbert and Lightbrand and Exemplar Thramira Greathammer. After taking several moments to digest the details of your report, Prince Gorm is the first to speak. You've been through quite the ordeal. I apologize that you had to suffer on behalf of Kragadan, but clearly no one else could have faced such trials and returned alive. Without a doubt, the evidence indicates that Mothun has been framed. I wish you had left the petrified statues alone, uh, especially that of the Hobgoblin, but I do understand the importance of preventing that ghost's rejuvenation. My sister and her followers will look into this matter immediately. Prince Gorm nods to his sister, Thramira, who promptly nods back and then exits the office. My only concern now is the man who managed to trick you and disappear. Given your exceptional abilities, his skill to pull off such a feat is truly frightening. His motivations and affiliations clearly are unknown. He could be a spy for the Legion, or a, just a piece of evidence left behind to further implicate a human nation. Gorm rubs his eyes and sighs. For now, I will inform Kragadan's defenders to keep their eye out for suspicious activity. Otherwise, you have accomplished your task flawlessly. I will see to it that you are rewarded for your services. The remaining work falls to myself and the even-handed Sedad to untangle this web of political misunderstanding. Have you any further comments? And he addresses the four of you. Uh, how will you be handling uh, the... Malthuni siege now that you know that they were framed. That will take some time for us to discuss at the Senate the next time we meet, probably tomorrow early. I would like to expedite a ceasefire. I don't know how receptive Malthun will be, but it seems that uh, Kragadan may have been mostly at fault in this political uh, situation. So I'm hoping that perhaps we can Get a meeting with their general and uh, talk things out some. Well, don't be too hard on yourself. There were some devious hands at work. Yes, clearly. Well, and we uh, we talked to 
the one person up on the the surface. What was her? What was his name again? Uh, are you talking about uh, Captain Renzo? Yes. Uh, yeah, we talked to Captain Renzo, and from what he knows of the general of the other side, he seems to be an honorable man. So hopefully, he will be receptive to negotiation. Yes, I have heard that much as well. I uh, I hope that is true. I have not met with him myself, but if he is a man of honor, then I think we should be able to hash things out relatively well. Well, if there's anything that we can do to assist, just let us know. Absolutely. You have done plenty for Kragadan, but your willingness to help us further is much appreciated. Well, if that is all, then the four of you are free to stay in Kragadan as long as you'd like. Uh, Carburton has much to investigate about this Onyx Key. Perhaps he can find a clue to guide your next steps against the Legion. You are free to assist him if you wish. Uh, please let me or my sister know if you require anything. Much appreciated. You've been very hospitable so far. And if we have some time, then maybe we can take use or make use of uh, furthering your economy here. Maybe stocking up on provisions before we decide on where we have to go next. I'm sure the merchants would be more than happy to have that happen. Again, I do thank you all. And uh, with that, he, he bows and so does Carburton. And they let you leave the office for now. They have plenty of tasks to handle. So pretty much at this point, the four of you have some downtime in Gragadan. And I don't think I mentioned this last session, but having completed book four and beating the Medusa Spymaster Ghost, you all leveled up to level 14. Yay! Oh boy! Go us! uh, I know that uh, Brandon and Sarah have looked a little bit into what they were going to level up. I don't know if Josh or Justin had uh, time to look into that or not, but... I did. I leveled. I leveled. Okay, so... If you guys would like, we can go down the the row here, and uh, I guess as as we talk about what you guys got, you can roll your hit points for the level. So the first one on my screen is Sarah with Kieran. <laughs> so I took another level in Dragon Disciple, so I'm now a fifth level sorcerer, a ninth level Dragon Disciple. So one nice. more level until I've maxed out on that. Nice. Maxing the prestige class will be so cool. I know. I'm pretty excited about it. And the thing I get at 14th level is I get wings. That's literally the only thing that I get at this level. I don't get any more spells. I don't get any more base attack bonus. Oh, I do get fortitude and uh, will save, I think. But yeah, so my wings. Uh, so basically the wings are part of the draconic bloodline but Dragon Disciple lets you get them a little bit earlier. So reading off of the Draconic Bloodline, technically at 15th level, it says leathery dragon wings grow from your back as a standard action, giving you a fly speed of 60 feet with average maneuverability. You can dismiss the wings as a free action. So basically I could just have wings like all the time. I was gonna say, how long do they last? That didn't mention a duration. No, no, so I think it's just a standard action to grow them, and then I could just have them. Although that might be a little unnerving, just walking through town with like dragon wings. But no, it's cool. Could. Cool if you could attack with them. That'd be neat. Yeah, I don't get a wing attack that I know of. I would say you don't get wings because it, 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 
yeah, interesting. I don't know. Yeah, I don't... you get wing attacks when you're in dragon form via the spell or the other ability, but yeah. But the physical wings, they don't grant you the natural attack. Correct. Yeah, no, unfortunately. But I can fly better. So I was gonna say it means you don't need to use your spell slots for fly anymore. And so its average cool. maneuverability is pretty good. Yeah, but a little bummed because, like I said, I literally get nothing else. Like, yeah, that's all you get, I bet. We don't yeah. get a feat at this level. Like, I got a fort save bonus, a will save bonus, and I got <laughs> wings. wings. That's it. <laughs> um, are they so blue? They probably are. Well, this is leather. I wonder they're if they're... Pink. It's a cotton it's candy pink. dragon. It's weird. She's a cotton candy <laughs> dragon. They, they, they can be bluish. It's a fantasy world, Sarah. <laughs> leather can be blue. So I can roll hit points, which I would imagine I was down to 31 hit points, so I'm assuming that I can just go back up to full because Yeah, we will... a number of days will be passing here as you guys are waiting for Carpet Earn to research and as you buy things and, you know, all the downtime stuff so, yeah. Okay. Cool, cool. So I have a 8 and 18 con, so this will be a d12 plus 18. No. I mean, plus four. No, goodness, no. <laughs> Trying to get that past you. <laughs> I am rolling a d20. D12 plus four. Uh, three. Three. So do I re-roll uh, that? I believe... So d6s don't re-roll. D8s roll re- re-roll ones. D10s re-roll ones and twos. D12s do ones, twos, and threes. So yes. Okay, so I'll just roll a d12. Eleven. I will Figures. <laughs> so that Figures. gives me 15 hit points. I'm now up to a max of 162. And are you putting your favorite class bonus into like a skill rank or another hit point? I or... don't get that, so. Oh, that's right, because be prestige. That. That's right. Yeah. Nope, I will not be doing even that. I literally just get wings. So. Sock is right. <laughs> that is my level 14 stuff. Oh, and I do get skill ranks, but that's not important. We have a bard. I mean, what's the point of us even having... <laughs> right. Exactly. Although, like, I don't know. Guy just does everything for us. Yeah, so who knows? I might put it into, like, spellcraft so that I can continue to fail those roles, you know? <laughs> I mean, my, my knowledges are, like, mid-teens for the most part. And I only Pretty have, good. like, up to one, two, and three ranks in there. So mostly now if they're, like, higher DCs, probably aiding is something that I would rather do. Yeah, that is something that you I do recall us uh, noticing last uh, book was that uh, some of the knowledge checks were a bit hard for you guys to hit. Well, I think that plus some of the things that we had revolved around how many ranks you had in knowledges, which even though mine were mid-teens, my ranks were only like one. Yes, the library research mechanics built off of uh, ranks, yes. Yes, so I sucked. All right, well, Kieran, that is cool. A nice roll for HP, always love to see that. Next up on my little list here, I have Justin with Oren. Yay. Um, so I got something kind of cool at level 14. So I think I get access to my third boon, which is cool um, as part of my deific obedience. Is that right? Did I? And because of your uh, archetype? Yes. Yeah, so at, uh, at 14th level, you gain the third moon, yeah. Yeah. So I got that, uh, which is cool, because it's called Hammer Fist Ally. So I actually get to summon, or I can summon once a day, a Stone Golem Construct to fight for me for one minute per hit die that I have. And yeah, I looked up the stat block for him. He's kind of cool. He's 
very similar to the elemental that I summon. Like, it does slam attacks and stuff like that. So I got yep. access to that, which is cool. Uh, base attack bonus went up, and I get uh, one additional level 7 spell and one additional level 6 spell. Nice. Haven't picked what I'm going to use for it. Maybe I'll just take two uses of destruction. So, <laughs> haven't picked yet. But, cool. yeah. That's basically it. Yeah, as a prepared caster, clerics, uh, once you start getting more spell slots, you get a lot of versatility there. So, Yeah. I'll have to read through all the level 7 spells and see if there's anything different I want to take. I just read something cool about Hammerfist Ally in there. I don't know the if slow? you already mentioned. No, the, the telepathy with it. That was oh, yes. Cool. Within 100 feet, we have telepathy. Yeah, that's, that's neat. I don't know what that's thoughts cool. a stone golem <laughs> yeah. has. But... <laughs> rock, rock. Rock, rock. Like, I don't know what a stone golem would have, but it apparently has. Oh, it's also cool because it's also flavored to look like and this might be a little bit of a spoiler because I could do this when we use when I use it first time, but it actually is shaped like a giant dwarf, and it has two large warhammers that it uses as its weapons. That's just flavor; doesn't give it anything special. But that's just what the stone golem looks like if you're a cleric of Torog. So I thought that was kind of kind of neat. Can we just back up to the part where you said giant dwarf? Because yeah. I feel like those two words uh, are conflicting. I mean, giant forest so dwarf. It's, it's just this guy. <laughs> yeah. That's basically Except what I think he would look like. With hammers. Yeah. That's essentially what he would look like. He's that big, though. He is... Uh, yeah, he's the size of a city. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's actually the the last kaiju. That's what they were. <laughs> yes. But in reality, he's actually just like the same height as Kieran. As Kieran. He's <laughs> the giant for a dwarf. He's six foot tall. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the token that I had uh, in my list of like enemies for the generic stone golems that you guys uh, didn't have to fight. So it's convenient that I can just use that. Yeah, just use that. That's awesome. But I only get to do that once a day. So, but yep. still a cool ability. Very cool ability. So you can go ahead and roll your hit points. Hey, yeah. Six. 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 I got six. a six. Six. Gross. Can't win them all. Kieran has more health than all of us. You'll never catch me. I'll never catch Kieran. <laughs> Although you will when I start taking sorcerer levels again, because I go back down to a d6. <laughs> so just wait. Your time will come. Watch you roll sixes every single time. Sixes we every time. <laughs> yep. Yep. And still be the first one to go down in every combat. So there you go. <laughs> Alright, so yeah, next up I have Josh with Gideon. Nice. Um, so I'll go ahead and just get HP out of the way, because I'm curious how much I'll get, so I'll roll that. Okay. Which is... Max. Max. Yeah, okay. Cool, 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 cool. I've noticed, I'm looking through my catalog here, Josh is consistently inconsistent. <laughs> He's cool. rolled several twos yep. and many, many, many sevens and eights. So there's not a whole lot in the middle. Well, he needs that to soak up Orin's damage. Yeah, I do. He's never rolled a three, and he's never rolled. Oh, a that's right! I forgot. He's my shield. Yeah. Oh, well, I have been. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. So this is a funny level for Gideon. I take another level of Exalted. So I'm Omdura Seven Exalted Seven, and I get at this point an aspect of divinity, uh, which is gives me a number of things. Uh, mechanically, I benefit from a permanent protection from evil. 
Um, so that's kind of pretty big. It means I can't be touched by summoned creatures. I get rerolls on will saves and stuff like that. Um, but I also uh, gain a makeover. Yeah. So Gideon has grown long silver hair and eyes that glow dimly as if an angel. Uh, and then he smells of roses and ethereal petals drift about and trail around him uh, as he becomes more and more uh, divine than a just flower. a half Yep. So yep. your stealth checks get even worse and you yes. smell like an old lady. Yep. <laughs> these, lady. these are both true. He smells of rose water and he gets a minus four penalty on disguise yeah, checks. We're going to be trying to sneak and we'll be like, can you put the petals away, Gideon, please? You're yep. leading them right to us. So uh, he's even more flashy than he was before. I like oh to my. think that it's one of those situations where like you see somebody and there's like a little bit of like a flower or something like a leaf or something in their hair so you pull it out but with Gideon it's like you pull the rose petal out of his hair and then like he turns around and on the other side of his head there's somehow another one and there's just <laughs> perpetually like one in his hair at all times yep. no matter where you pull him from yeah just yeah. like monkeys picking through his hair yeah I just am curious to see how the party finds out now that Gideon smells like roses. If it's the fact that we just naturally know, or if he was going around having us sniff him so we know that he smells like roses. <laughs> it's just overpowering. Or it's just like, are you wearing perfume? <laughs> yeah, that, that'll be what it's like. It'll be fun. But yeah, those are the big things. Uh, I swapped out a spell. I also pick up another level five spell, uh, which I thought it was quite fitting to get angelic aspect. I love it. I mean, the big question is, did you keep shield other? Yeah. Okay, perfect. That's all I care hey, about. You're good, buddy. You don't you worry. <laughs> I want him to start casting it on like Jessup or something. <laughs> Poor Jessup. Don't make sense of that spell, Sarah. <laughs> all right, that brings us to the final member of the party Brandon with Jessup so I took another level in Bard so I'm level 14 Bard nice and a couple just random you know stat increases BEB stuff but uh, I did get a new song which I think's meh okay frightening tune basically I can scare enemies near me to go into uh, a, a frightenedness and they just want to run away I don't know if I'll use it, but uh, I got that. I was able to get another versatility, so I could take another perform, but instead I took expanded versatility again. But this time I did it for my dance and included escape artistry into it. So now when I roll my perform dance, that contributes toward acrobatics, fly, and escape artist. He's doing the worm out of a grapple. Basically. I figured he, he, he could do the dance moves. Framed and uh yeah just got some just got some spells i did take alter self so jessup may or may not be creeping around to your guys's rooms after you're done sleeping to grab like hair fragments or things like that so he can transform to look like you guys maybe oh, that's never not know. awkward at all nope <laughs> and uh what else did i take for a spell oh i did take echolocation Ooh. which will be neat so i know what that spell does yep you sure do but jessup didn't like being turned to stone so he took that and then uh new level five spell so i i uh i did and i'm kind of i kind of like this one unshakable zeal i'll read that for funsies so it's a enchantment compulsion emotion mind affecting spell it says you fill the target with a boundless enthusiasm and faith um, in its ultimate triumph whenever the target fails an attack roll save skill check or concentration check ability check 
the target receives a plus four morale bonus to its next attempt at that failed check within one round. And if it's an attack against the same foe or saving uh, throw against the same ability from the same foe, so on. So in addition, when the target would be affected by a fear or emotion effect, they can instead dismiss unshakable zeal without spending an action, so it's basically free action, to negate the effect on itself. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. And it's one hour per level, so it'll last for 14 hours. So I yeah. think there'd be some pretty cool utility you could do with that. Yeah. yeah. We'll just have to be mindful that it is a morale bonus, and I know a couple of us can do morales with, like, um, I think the big one's going to be hero or bless, so we'll just have to keep track of when you actually get the full bonus or not. But um, I, I think it's cool. Yeah, when that will stack, I think, with, like, a, a moment of greatness, I could see somebody getting, like, a plus eight bonus. Well, and I thought about it, too, because it doesn't, there's no limit on how many times you get that plus four bonus a day. It's just either when you dismiss it to help get rid of the nasty like fear effect or just the time runs out but i think it'd be cool for like uh i mentioned a certain like with kieran when he goes dragon form he gets like five attacks that the first one he misses he gets plus four in the next and then if he misses another one in the same full attack action he in theory could get that because there's no limit on how many times that you can get the plus four other than you just have to use that bonus within one round so i think it'd be pretty cool that's a pretty big buff yeah, it's pretty neat. Well, it is level, it is level five. So, I mean, bards only get up to six level spells. So that's kind of like one of my higher tier spells for a bard for sure. Yeah, but the fact is duration lasting a long time makes it much more. Like, what good. I thought about it too with like Kieran, like how many times that he gets poisoned. In theory, if he fails the first one, it would give him plus four in the next save on the next turn. You know, kind of can help with that. Well, that's going to help with consecutive rolls, but you know. Neat. All right. And what are you going to roll for HP, I wonder? Probably a two. That's what Justin rolled. No. Yep. A seven. Oh. So for this level, our rolls were 11, 8, 2, and 7. <laughs> yeah. Of all of those, we want our cleric to have the most HP. It only makes sense. No. Clerics need to be squishy. Yes. No. Mm-mm. Not how that works. And, um... Jason, I took my favorite class bonus normally is taking an additional spell, so that's how I got echolocation this level. Yep, the two of you uh, have been very consistent. It's all HP or all class bonus. Oh, and I forgot, with toughness, I would get another HP, so I should be at 163. Yes, the toughness feat gives you... I always forget that. I've probably forgotten that a lot, but I remembered it this time. All right, so the four of you remain in Kragadan for some time while Carburton conducts his research, preparing and planning your next steps against the Legion and for your eventual departure. Two days after your report to the Even-Handed Synod, Prince Gorm sends a messenger to each of you with a sealed envelope. Within each envelope is a check for the sum of 20,000 gold pieces taken from the royal family's personal treasury as payment for your services to Kragadan. In addition, each envelope contains a ring, as well as a note describing it as a ring of Kragadan, a gift given to defenders of the Great Sky Citadel and friends of all dwarven kind. Each ring functions as a ring of protection plus three, with an additional effect that only functions when equipped by the intended wearer. So, Gideon. Your ring bears the sigil of Kragadan overlaid by a suit of armor. It allows you to cast clay skin on yourself once per day at caster level 8th. 
Kieran's ring bears the sigil of Kragadan overlaid by a shield. It allows him to empower his shield spell once per day, increasing the amount of bonus it provides by plus two for its duration. Orin's ring bears the sigil of Kragadan overlaid by an eye. It allows him to gain true seeing for one round as a swift action three times per day. Jessup's ring bears the sigil of Kragadan overlaid by a bow and arrow. As a swift action, it grants him the benefits of the precise shot feet for up to three minutes per day, spent in one minute increments. If he already possesses the precise shot feet, it instead gains the be- grants him the benefits of improved precise shot feet. So it's three times per day, one minute per use, basically. That's fancy. And that is the payment that the four of you get for your accomplishments in the reliquary. So would we just say that that has a relative value of like a ring of protection plus three? It's probably like 1.5 times the amount. Okay. Is the, um, are those rings like, and same with the cloaks, does like the book tell you if you have a certain class to do that or, or do you, do you kind of have the liberty to adjust that? So basically what I did is in book three with Long Shadow, they had a specific item that you guys were going to get, but it wasn't terribly suitable for your party. So instead of giving you that item, I instead gave you each the cloaks with special abilities and uh, flavored it that way. And it roughly came out to a similar uh, amount of gold. And it was kind of along the same lines this time. There wasn't a specific thing given, but uh, I just took what reward the book suggested and kind of parsed it out uh, as such to make it more interesting for your party. I think it's pretty cool we all get uh, specialized thingy. It's pretty... I, I like it. I think it's a really cool touch. It's really neat. I think it's more interesting when uh, I, as the GM, am able to think of items tailored to each of you that don't exist. Things that I know will be of benefit in specific ways. Right, and along with that too, I like unique items, whether they are campaign specific or in situations like this where the DM has created one for you. You can only get this by playing this character in this game in this situation. You can't buy this off of you know the the whole list of equipment or magic items that are available in the thousands of books. You had to be here, and I, I like that aspect a lot. So with that, uh, you guys have leveled up, you've gotten your rewards, and you are free to stay in Kragadan for as long as you would like. You have plenty of money now and plenty of items that I'm sure you plan to sell. Sarah had uh, figured some of that out. So you can take some time if you'd like as a party to figure out what items you want to keep or sell, and then what items you'd like to look around for, see if you can buy, or maybe upgrade, whatever you want to do with your money. How does upgrading work? on like armor and stuff and weapons so basically you take the difference in cost between your current level and the level you'd like it to be at and that's what you pay and it takes one day per thousand gold for it to be completed what's the best way to work look up like how much something's worth and how much the next version of it's worth. basically i just want to make my stuff plus two so what do you currently have 
like a plus one light fortification stone plate. I'd like to make that plus two. So a plus one light fortification. So light fortification on armor counts as a plus one bonus. So your armor is functionally a plus two armor because it's plus one light fortification, which would put it at a base price of 4,000. Upping it to the next tier, a functional plus three is 9,000. So the difference would be 5K and it would take five days. Uh, If you wanted to add like another special quality of equal to plus one or make it a plus three suit of light fortification armor, that would go up to 16K. So you'd have to pay 12,000 and it would take 12 days. You just have to know what your uh, armor's total bonus is and you can just do some quick subtraction basically oh i see because it acts as a plus two yes it's technically worth nine thousand yes or it's, yeah it's so technically worth four thousand technically worth four thousand not one thousand so that's why it's five thousand yes. different okay yes. i think that's all orn would want to do is basically try and make his armor shield and weapon a plus two okay and your shield is just a plus one it's a plus one defiant heavy steel shield Okay, so Defiant, I think, is also a plus one bonus. So same thing there. Same amount of time, same amount of cost. Uh, Your weapon is more. Weapons are like twice as expensive as armor. And uh, so your weapon is a plus plus one one Quaking. Yeah, plus one Quaking Warhammer. Quaking is a plus two property. So technically it's worth 9,000 currently. Yeah, so it is is functionally a plus three weapon. So it's actually worth 18,000. Because okay. uh, I, I, the second link I gave there is the weapons page. It's pretty much the same, except the numbers are doubled. So a plus three functional weapon is 18,000. And bringing it up to a plus four functional would be 32. So the difference of that would be 14,000. So that would take two weeks and 14,000 to do that. Okay. I mean, does anyone have objections with that? I can afford that, all three of those. How yeah, many weeks? Money. It's two. It's two weeks. Two weeks. Fourteen oh, days. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Gideon had some uh, retraining. I think I want him to do. So that was going to take time. Gideon's, Gideon's planning to stay for a couple of years. No. <laughs> he's here and he's staying. Five days, I think it is. Along that note, maybe among the garrison or other places, uh, would Gideon be able to find somebody capable of teaching him one of two feats: uh, two weapon fighting or shield slam? Unfortunately, there's not a single dwarf in all of Kragadan <laughs> that knows how to do that. Who knows how to shield slam. They've never even heard of the concept. Not even one of them? Yeah, you can easily find... So you're retraining a feat? I'm thinking about it, yeah. It's been uh, something what are you, I've considered. What are you getting rid of? Armor focus. Oh. Yeah. You're I like, just... who needs AC? Well, it's just... Yeah, it, it, it is useful, I guess, like, because after a certain point, you can only enchant your armor so far. But I've gotten lots of other ways to boost my AC that, like, having one base has not proved as helpful as I thought. And when I took that one originally, I was kind of like, I don't know what Gideon wants. Now I have a feat line in mind, and so I want to be able to qualify for things. But have you considered that if you get rid of armor focus, you can't take improved armor focus? Yeah, I've considered that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you can easily find somebody in uh, the city who has those feats. You just two up, two up and fighting and shield slam. Yeah, I think I'll take two up and fighting then if I can find someone to do that. Shield slam will be the alternative choice. 
All right. And uh, yeah, that shouldn't be a problem because uh, I don't think you have any feats that require armor focus as a prerequisite. If you did, then that would be, uh, you wouldn't be able to retrain that. Uh, anything else that you guys know off the top of your head you want to do? Again, we can we can uh, hash out some of this between sessions. That's fine. It's just you won't have stuff for this particular session is all. I think mine's going to be more utility, but I'm not too worried. Uh, probably just like bag of holding and some nonsense like that. Offhand. Okay. Yep. Yeah, mine's all like contingent on like if this isn't there, then I'd look to get this. If that, so, it might just be too complicated to do now. Jessup would though probably try to find people around Kragadan, like maybe a shopkeeper, and see like if they would be willing to sell him like a lock of hair or something of their own hair. Interesting. <laughs> so Not weird. At all. I guess his his so just to kind of explain. So I took alter self, in which I need to have something of the possession of whatever I'm trying to transform into. I'm assuming I have to, I would transform into the specific thing, or is it just general, like if I have dwarf hair, I transform into somewhat of a dwarf? Or would I take, like, Orin's hair and I would transform into Orin himself? Because it specifically just says, when you cast the spell, you can assume the form of any smaller medium creature of the human type. If the form you assume has any of the following abilities, you get a yada yada yada. But I thought it said it a component Oh yeah, so you need a piece of the creature whose form you plan to assume. So I'm assuming I would turn into the actual person or the creature? I know there's one spell that says specifically that you don't choose who you look like, but that might just be disguise self. Like, I don't care. I don't have to look like anybody in particular. I guess what Jessup's goals are is like the next time we encounter a hobgoblin. He's going to take a tooth, something along those lines to have and keep it. He's going to keep a pouch so that because now I feel like he's getting really high in his face rolls, fingers crossed, that if we need to look like some other race or something, he could transform. I just know if I had to have like somebody's specific hair. So if he wants to try to do something, you know, with Orin, he doesn't want to look like Orin because then it would just be awkward to have two Orins running around. So he would like take hair from somebody in Kragadon. So if we go somewhere else, like maybe Balthoon or whatever, he could look like just a dwarf from Kragadon that probably nobody would know. So it's not under the spell Alter Self, but Alter Self is a polymorph spell. And under the rules for polymorph, it says, unless otherwise noted, polymorph spells cannot be used to change into specific individuals. Although many of the fine details can be controlled, your appearance is always that of a generic member of that creature's type. Cool. So uh, I guess it doesn't matter. Uh, um, so Jessup would attempt to explain that to Orin and ask for a lock of Orin's hair or something along those lines to have and keep it. Oh, that's not creepy at all. I mean, I could ask for it now, or I could just try to use my newfound <laughs> spell to get away while you sleep it too, buddy. Give him armpit hair. <laughs> yeah, that's what he does. He pulls out a belly hair. It's like my academia, he has to eat it to transfer. Yeah. <laughs> oh. No. Oh, God. No. Down the hatch. Oh. He'll give you a beard hair because you're a friend. Ah, uh, yeah. Friends, <laughs> Those are reserved for friends. Oh, nice. Friends. That's sacred. He pulled out a That's beard hair. That's A beard hair. It won't ever grow back. That's a big so deal. Would, Jason, would. Uh, so if I'm already human, can I transform into a different human then with Alter Self? Uh, kind of similar to Disguise Self? I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, you wouldn't get any of the spell's bonuses. Because right, I you... guess it just transforms me into some... If I just don't want to look like Jessup for some who knows purpose. Scheming. 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 
I would say, like, if you had a different human's uh, hair, maybe. Kieran! <laughs> uh... <laughs> I will point out, I will point out, this is a material component, not a focus component, so he will need a steady supply. Yeah. Oh, boy. Well, that's why I said just give me a few pieces of hair. So, one thing that you know, though, is in these two weeks, uh, you don't really know where Kieran is. Oh. He's not out and about with you guys. Just a continually checks the bathhouse. That's what Jessup just goes to the bathhouse and just finds all the hair clogged in the drain. Like, oh, I don't know what this is going to be, but I guess that's what I'm going to transform it to. It's like random dwarves. Like, just random dwarves. Turns out it's the female beard hair, so he turns into a woman when he casts the spell. You know, I'll roll with it. All right. Okay, then. So other than Jessup being creepy, um, I guess I'm good. Okay. So, yeah, like I said, we can... Uh, hash out any of the other details uh, between sessions and uh, for now we will just uh, carry on with how we're going here so after at least 14 days of research who knows if there's anything else you guys do that will take longer than that but uh, after at least 14 days of research uh, Carburton would eventually summon you all back to his home unless there is anything besides shopping that you guys wanted to do during this downtime period. Maybe we should have asked that first. Basically, once the downtime, once we've figured out all of your downtime activities, Carburton will summon you. So last call for anything you guys want to cover. Uh, no, I think um, Jessup would just help with doing some more of the research now that I feel like we're not necessarily under pressure. Um, I did also take Abyssal as a language because we obviously encountered demons. So he probably would during that time, like, quote unquote, be trying to study how to speak Abyssal. Oh, Oren would study language as well. He did the same thing. <laughs> Interesting. All I wanted to do was there would probably be a, a scene uh, with Gideon. I don't know if he would tell others this or if it'd be a private moment. Um, but the way I interpret aspect of divinity as an exalted is like this is the the manifestation of Milani's uh, grace and acceptance of him into his service. So the way he interprets this is that um, he will continue to serve Milani in the afterlife, uh, it might even be reincarnated, uh, or maybe even become you know one of her servants or heralds. So for him, this is a really big deal because it approaches him becoming someone very powerful and able to help others. So uh, he was probably he would probably be offering prayers of gratitude and thanks, or you know just you know quietly mentioning to others that if they ask him why he looks so different, you know just he says uh, he explains that in brief detail. He's very. He all is much. He's very brief, though. He doesn't elaborate the point. He just, you know. Is it just the uh, I'm kind of a big deal now? Yeah, it's kind of like that. It's kind of I'm kind of a big deal. But he's kind of a big he's, deal. He's graceful and eloquent about it, but basically just you know explains it. This means he's been accepted into her eternal service. And Oren would go see his pappy. That would be something he would do in the meantime. Right. Yep. With the siege on its way towards a ceasefire, it would be safer to go up onto the surface and meet up with him. Do you think you would? Do you think Oren would like help tend the the shop for a bit? Because he was a, a store owner at one point, right? Yeah, yeah. Like he helped in the shop. Yeah, because his his father's a merchant there in the town. So. Yeah. So maybe like Oren would spend some time rebuilding the place because you know with yep. the, with the prospect of trade starting to pick back up, he could start up his business again. So. Absolutely. Moving boxes out of storage. Yep. Gideon would uh, occasionally offer help or tag along with whatever um, the other two are doing. Since Kieran's gone, 
Gideon will be the opposite of antisocial and trying to make himself useful and involved with the rest. I think that probably like after five or so days have passed and Kieran hasn't really been around, I think he would like try to get some messengers to send a like message to the three of you. And he would ask that you come meet him on like by the fist out on the surface um, at a certain time in a certain day. Um, so he would basically be waiting up there to see if you guys would meet him. Yeah. I mean, Orange just right down here. Nobody shows up. Okay. No one shows up. We all ignore <laughs> the letters. Aww. And he's yeah. like, it was my birthday. <laughs> yeah, it's really- <laughs> You're on your own now. Yeah. So I think if you guys all show up, you see Kieran's standing there and he doesn't even really look at you as you approach. He's just watching out beyond the the walls of Kragadan, watching the the Molthuni army make their movements. He doesn't know at this point if they're leaving or if they're just, you know, mobilizing. He doesn't know what's going on, but he's just been standing there watching. And you can tell that he hasn't either slept well or slept at all like he his face is very drawn and he's got like dark circles under his eyes and he actually hasn't shaved so he's got like the beginnings of scruff and it just looks like very unlike kieran he's usually very composed and especially about his hygiene and it just seems like he for the past few days hasn't really been taking care of himself the way that he normally does and as you approach, he uh, he stands there silent for a little bit. And then he speaks and he says, I, I've been doing a lot of thinking the last few days. And if you would permit me, I'd like to tell you a story. Gideon nods. Sure. Love a good story. He takes a deep breath and you can see that his his hands are shaking and he tries to like calm his hands. He folds them together still just looking out in the distance at the Molthuni army. And he says, There was once a boy who was born into a wealthy noble house. He had a father, a mother, four older brothers and two older sisters. He was given the best education and physical training, but with privilege comes expectation. He struggled to maintain focus during his studies. His mind would wander and his imagination would tell him stories of adventure and excitement. But this did not sit well with his family. Being from a noble house, he was expected to uphold the family's name. This meant that when he came of age, he would join the military as an officer and fight to defend his homeland and uphold his country's tenets. At first, all was well. He put aside his distractions and worked to become a man worthy of his name like his older brothers. His eldest brother, senior in age by 20 years, was his best friend and confidant. Whenever the boy would get himself into trouble, usually having played pranks on his sisters, his brother would usually come to his rescue, sometimes taking the blame and punishment on himself. He loved his brother dearly. His brother had already made a name for himself in the military. He was a decorated officer and well-respected amongst his men. He was the true embodiment of their father's dreams for his family, and the pride of his father was evident in him. 
However, when the boy was only ten years old, a knock at the door and two soldiers holding a beautiful greatsword destroyed his entire world. It was a training accident, they said. He was a hero and a testament to the strength and honor of his regiment, they said. But those words fell on deaf ears as the boy flew into a rage and charged at the guests. A backhand from his father sent him flying to the ground, but he felt no physical pain. He only felt blinding rage and raw wounds tearing his heart to shreds. If this is what it meant to be a hero of the family, he wanted no part of it. He changed that day. No one in the family noticed except his grandfather, who took him under his wing and began to mentor him. Over the next few years, his older brothers, his other older brothers, would leave to fulfill missions within the military. One by one, they would disappear, almost from existence entirely, their whereabouts unknown, their letters ceasing. This emotional pain seemed to manifest something strange within the boy. Within a couple of years, he began to exhibit strange powers. It was weak at first, and once his father found out, he was forbidden to use it. After all, magic was used by weak fools who lived in towers reading books. But unbeknownst to him at first, his grandfather had also manifested similar abilities early in life. The two began to work in secret, where the elder man would guide him through his burgeoning abilities and also share stories of his adventures in the lands to the north. Lands that were filled with defiant barbarians and cowards, or so he had been taught growing up. His worldview was shattered but what was building in its place was far more meaningful. When he became of age, he joined the military in full, thus leaving little time with his grandfather. When he wasn't in classes learning battle strategies, he was in the training arena, developing his fighting prowess and technique. He wasn't there the day his grandfather died. Although he had received word of his grandfather being ill, he had been assured it was of no consequence. The sudden death hit him almost as hard as his brother's years before, but there was something different about this death, something suspicious about the way his father looked at him now. That was when he knew he couldn't stay. He no longer wanted any part of that family. He wanted to find out if what his grandfather had told him was true, which would mean leaving everything behind, including his sisters whom he cherished. So that's what he did. He said nothing and he left no trace. He simply packed his necessary belongings, the most precious of which was his glaive, given to him by his grandfather. In the dark of the night, he left his home and headed north to Nirmathos, to the land of the barbarians and cowards, to find out for himself if the stories he had heard from his grandfather were true, and to find out whether he had been fighting on the right or wrong side for his entire life. And he'll turn and he'll face you. And you can see his eyes are like drawn tight with like emotion that he doesn't normally show. And he looks directly at Kier- uh, not at Kieran. He looks directly at Gideon and Oren. And he says, I am not the man that I have been with you these past few months. My name is Rhys Kieran Turalia, and I come from the city of Canaret, the capital of Molthoon. Jessup knows this because the man that disappeared in the reliquary was one of my older brothers, Raiden, whom I have not seen for many years. 
I had been living as this man, Kieran, this different man, for so long. And I enjoyed living as him. But when I saw my brother there, I had to do something. And that meant lying. And that meant betraying your trust. But I had to get him out, so that night... I teleported him back to Kenrit, after having told him everything of our quest. And he assured me that he would do everything he could with his influence in the military to work towards a ceasefire on the Molthun side. I don't know what, if anything, has come from that, but I can tell you that he is trustworthy and he will do as he says. I understand this is a lot, but I've given it much thought over the past few days, and I cannot continue with this quest having this information remain secret. It's not fair to Jessup for me to put this burden on him. So I will say that if this changes how you feel about me, and if you no longer trust me enough to continue traveling with you, then I will leave. But I won't stop with what we have to do here, because what I found out in the tower at Fort Trevale was that the next place they're going is Morthun, and I will not let my family, my sisters, fall to the Iron Fang Legion. So if you tell me here and now that you're done with me, that you're going to continue on your own, I will respect that and I will leave, but I will do everything in my power to stop the Legion however I can. Jessup pretends to have a shocked look on his face like, what? <laughs> Surprise, Pikachu. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> you lied to me from the beginning. <laughs> I, I think I think Orin would have a uh, real creased brow during all of that. Just kind of taking all that in. Well, uh, that is quite the revelation. I I do feel a bit betrayed. Uh, but given the revelations that we learned and that clearly Malthoon wasn't involved in breaking into the vaults, uh, why, why, why was he there in the first place? Uh, he, uh, he, he holds great importance in the subterfuge division within the Molthun military. He's very good at infiltrating so and leaving without a, a trace. Yes, he's a spy. But according to him, what he told me is that he was sent by Molthun to figure out why the dwarves accused us of stealing from them when we had no knowledge of that so he was in here doing similar research to what we were doing trying to figure out why we were being blamed in the first place i think to that orn would would probably be nodding still furrow browed but i i think that makes sense uh did you not trust gideon and i at the time i don't know what i did orin i panicked. I had gone in there and seen his statue 
at first when I was exploring. And it was strange because when the ghost came out and began talking to me, it didn't recognize me, which seemed odd. So I wasn't sure if it just had been too long or if there was something else going on. But then later when we were able to bring him back, he said that that he would give... that He, he agreed in front of us to go speak with the Synod. But I was afraid that they wouldn't understand, that they would blame him, and that they would arrest him, and I panicked because I've already lost a brother who was the dearest person to me in my life, and I was not willing to lose another brother. So I know I am at fault for that. I will take whatever blame, whatever punishment you feel is necessary for Lying to you, betraying Immediately you. strikes down Kieran. No. Ah, power work Destruction! <laughs> level 7 spell twice! No, I think you have to leave the party, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah you're out of here. You're done. You're done. I hope you, I hope you got a 14 level backup character ready to go because... Ready to go, right now. Kieran's out of here. I hope his name's Raiden. <laughs> Prince Gorm walks out from under the fist and says, I've decided to join you on your quest. Right. You see I can roleplay a dwarf. <laughs> but honestly, like, he is being completely serious in that. If he, he, because he is a lawful character, to him, honor is everything, and he has lost. Betrayed it. Yes, yeah. he's betrayed your trust. He's betrayed that respect that you had as a party. And I think because of that, I think the catalyst came after all of the stuff that happened in the reliquary. And since then, like, he can't sleep. He can barely eat. Like, it's eating him up from the inside. And he had to come clean because he can't continue on like this anymore. So he's willing to do whatever you guys think is fair because in his mind, he deserves it. Jessup would, uh, he, he would just speak up to Oren and, um, Gideon. Yeah, I'm sorry, uh, I kinda didn't spill the whole beans. It, it kinda sprung up on me, actually. I, I think at one point Ryan said he wanted to silence me, which was a little awkward, but, uh, I, I owe Kieran quite a bit, so I could turn a blind eye to his, uh, request to kinda keep a little hush-hush. He did hit me, though. I, I did actually get knocked unconscious. That, that was not a lie. He, he, he cracked me good. And let me let me just tell you that taking him to Canterbury was not easy. I ended up in a completely different place and had to uh, purchase a scroll of teleport just to get back here. So um, that was. Don't worry, I took it from my share of the party funds, and I have already put that back in. But it was a very interesting evening for me. Oh yes, if I if I recall, it was in Nidal, which is not a place that anyone wants to just end up in. So we'll have to keep that in mind if if you decide to keep me on board and we we continue to teleport places. Uh, we could end up in some pretty pretty bad cities or locations. Gideon will give Kieran a sad smile. The heck is a sad smile? Um, you know, one where you're trying to you're His sad, but you're. <laughs> Yeah, not quivering, but you know, just you know. Quivering lip. He's so distraught. He's no, he's trying to be reassuring because he has respect for Kieran, but he's hesitant to say what he will next. And it's basically, uh, Kieran, I have fought beside you, and that is worth something. 
but I hope you still have some respect enough left for me. I will need some time to think on this. Absolutely. I mean, if I understand uh, Oren's commission well enough, we still have at least, what, like eight days left before we can go anyway, so I completely understand. You mean time to think? Like, are we doing a vote here? Because I, I vote to keep Kieran in. Gideon walks away. Okay, Orn, it's, it's, uh, if you say yes, uh, it doesn't matter what he says. Well, uh, I'm not gonna lie, it stings a little that, uh, Kieran didn't trust me enough to be upfront about it, but I, you know, this might surprise you, but I, I actually, I, I, I can see the honor in, in what you did. I mean, I, I think I've made it pretty clear that I'm, I'm not always the most understanding person, and, you know, Kragadon's the most important thing to me, and, and by that, an extension of my family, my people, the dwarves, and I've, I've not always been so, uh, well, so, so understanding of that, so, yeah, believe it or not, Karen, if, if it's true that that was your brother, and that Malthoon is in fact in danger, I, I actually understand where you're coming from, and I think I think I can move past this. I see a lot of how I've behaved in the past in, in what you did. And I can't fault you for that. And I think Kieran gives you a particularly pained expression because he'll say, Oren, of all of the members of this party, I, I owe you the most as you have brought me back to life on many occasions. So trust me, this wasn't a matter of me choosing Jessup over you or Gideon. It was a matter of Jessup and I were both staying on watch that night and I acted on impulse. So I appreciate the vote of confidence that you both have given me and I understand that you would both apparently be comfortable with moving forward with me, but if Gideon says otherwise, I will count that as majority, and I will leave. I don't think you know how majority works. <laughs> You're a friend of Kragadon. I mean, our our very leader is giving you a symbol of that, and you did help save my home and solve a great mystery. I mean, who knows how much longer the conflict would have gone, and it could have possibly escalated if not for your help. Out of game, Jessup would be like, You have a friend of Kragadon. You were built on a throne of lies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Kieran will say, And Oren, I know that the Zone of Truth spell is quite worthless because it doesn't tell you when somebody fails or passes, but I assure you that if there's anything else that you want to know about me, I will not hold anything back. I have told you everything there is, and should you have more questions, I will answer them truthfully. You just won't be able to verify that, but you know, you have my word even though we've proven that's not worth much but, you know, maybe someday you'll trust me again. Did you visit your brother or family over the past couple days here while you mysteriously just kind of went away? No, I've just been up here watching, thinking. For, for days, it's got, got a little cot set up, a little bed, you know. <laughs> you see, Captain Renzo walks out. And he's like, "You're still here? Like, can you leave? This is like, this is a war zone. What are you doing? This is military territory right here. Like, you can't just sleep here on the side of the road." Well, I mean, 
<laughs> this is our fortress. What are you doing? <laughs> I mean, he doesn't necessarily have to have been like in this exact spot, but he's been on the surface, basically just uh, thinking. Look, crossing the road every other day doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> The regular, the regular, like daily messengers and homeless, and you know, a couple of workers and laborers in the area. They all give uh, Kieran a nod, like he's been here a long time, and they all know him. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of yeah. camaraderie there now. Yeah, he's, he's like one a- of us, one of us. One of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but no, he has not left the city. You know, I, I, I don't know what uh, is coming next, and if that's true, that the legion's going to. Fight Malthoon. I, I I won't lie to you, Karen. I'm not uh, like a hundred percent go get a let's go save Malthoon. You know, kind of cause some turmoil for me and uh, Nirmathas and you know, my friends and family for quite some time. But can't let the Legion get any stronger than they already have either. Even if it's looking for some unconventional allies, I suppose. I think that's the way we have to look at it, Joseph. Uh, you know, the enemy we know versus the enemy we don't. We may not like Malthoon, but maybe we can coexist, and I know we can't coexist with the Legion. Yeah, as it stands right now, uh, just kind of has a uh, sad smile. (laughs) (laughs) They've recently taken... uh, It's not really a sad smile. This is going to sound terrible. (laughs) The Legion has taken more of my family recently than Malthoon has. My father... I, you know, just family, not direct family, but friends that I've known for quite some time in Longshadow. It's, it's been a rough couple of months. And I'll be the first to say I, I know that Morthun is not, has not been good to your people. But one thing I've learned from being in Nirmathos is that there are extremes here as well. And there are many, many, many good people in Nirmathos, which is entirely different from what we've been taught growing up in Multhoon. Well, the same goes for Multhoon. There are very good people there as well. Take the general, for instance. I have heard of him. He's high-ranking and has respect, but he is also spoken of behind his back as being soft. A lot of the corruption is high up, and I'll be the first to say that something needs to change, but first we need to take care of the Legion issue, and then we can work on relations between the countries. Well, I don't know how long that'll go, but it'll save people of Nirmathas. I'm good for it. You know, Karen, you're definitely right. Um, We have some wackadoodles here in Nirmathas for sure. No, part of my role in the Rangers was to recruit individuals into the uh, Rangers themselves, spread stories, try to promote freedom. Um, to tell you the truth, you're probably rolling his grave. I, uh, in the beginning, I, I don't even know if I could have uh, helped initiate someone like Aiden into the Rangers. A little, little too passionate, I guess. I, I, d- I didn't like trying to get people that were just wanting to join the Rangers as a reason to be, you know, bloodthirsty, take out revenge. I'm 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 out for getting people that want to promote freedom and protect friends and family, but just kind of a free pass to commit genocide. That's that's not my way. Speaking of that, uh, if you could just keep this, you know, I I don't want to do to make I don't want to to make you keep secrets, but uh, if we could just not bring this up around Serio, if we see him again, I uh, that guy scares me. So 
Oh yeah, he's one of them wackadoodles for sure. Yeah, I mean, even without <laughs> a leg, he probably would still kill me. So if we could just keep this hush hush until relations improve, maybe. Um, or you know, maybe we just keep it a secret forever. I don't want to keep secrets, but just maybe don't bring it up in conversation. Something like that. But anyway, I feel I've taken up too much of your time already. Uh, and he noticeably looks, like, relieved, even though he doesn't necessarily know the outcome of the decision. He feels like just telling you has taken a weight off his shoulders. And so he will, like, take a deep breath and he'll say, oh, I need a drink. Uh, do any of you want to join me? Yeah, I like a good drink. I sure? I mean, you already look like you've had quite the bender. Yeah, it's been it's been a rough couple of days. Uh, I meant to talk to you earlier, but then I chickened out, so finally worked up the courage to say it. It was not easy, you know, trying to come up with the best way to say it, uh, but I feel better now that it's out there. Yeah, so three things then. One, Kieran, super proud of you. Two, we should go to the sauna and get you cleaned up before we go out drinking. Three, random, can I have your beard clippings for no particular reason? <laughs> uh, might I ask why? Well, I said no particular reason. Well, that doesn't really sit well with me. Oh, so okay, fine, fine. If you really want to know, I, over the past few days, have tried to learn some new spells. I, I learned a new one that allows me to potentially take the form of, uh, of another creature. So Orin here is already kind enough to give me some of his beard hair, so I, I feel that we need to keep a trend up, and I would just use your clippings to alter myself to also get some shimmering 12-pack abs. No, you can't use your own hair? Um, not for that spell, because otherwise I would just make myself look like me, which is not overly impressive. <laughs> That's all you get from Karen's is a 12-pack of abs, but you <laughs> still it. look like Jessa. <laughs> I like those bodybuilders that are still, like, kind of yeah. chubby but have the abs. <laughs> yep. But it's just like, Clark Kent, I get abs and nobody knows who I am. Who's that guy? So, or I have to, I have to ask, is this going to make you look like me? I don't think so. I mean, it's random. Maybe. Okay. Because, uh, I mean, I don't want you going off and doing some, like, criminal stuff looking like me. I've already gotten myself into enough trouble, so, you know, I don't want to be framed for anything. Do you think that I would go do any criminal activities? I, I don't know, alright? I don't know what secrets that you guys have. I, well, I mean, I only helped an enemy of the state escape. Other than that, I am clean slate. <laughs> well, that wasn't it wasn't your choice, but we won't go there. Anyway, yes, you can have them if you want. I'm not going to ask any more questions. I'll just give them to you and then forget that this conversation ever happened. Like, just the beard clippings or all of it? Just, no, just the beard clippings. The other okay, part good. I need to keep in my mind, but just the beard part is freaking me out, so let's go get a drink. Sweet. Now I just need to collect from Gideon and I can be a half-elf. All right. Jason, how many, just for purposes of the... Um, material components. How many beard clippings did I obtain? Do I roll like 1d1, you know, a couple d100s? <laughs> I think, I think uh, we I'm not really gonna wave it. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm gonna hand wave so it for the most part. It's uh, the worst. Hold on, hold on. Roll I give him toenail clippings. D100. Uh, I could do it. Oh, 181 no. beard clippings. 
That's too many beard clippings. That's a lot. <laughs> no, you rolled a one on a D100. Do you hold a bowl under, <laughs> under Kieran while you're shaking? We're, we're all taking a bath. You just see Jeff's going, one, two. Okay, okay. No, no, no. Kieran's not, like, nobody's going to be there when Kieran shaves. He'll just, like, put it in an envelope and give it to Jessup later. Because that's weird. He doesn't want to get it. Yeah, he has a brown paper bag. Like, it's just here, I got this stuff. It's my, beard. <laughs> it's my beard clippings. That's so weird. Oh, so weird. <laughs> Gideon, I need to be a rose sweat. <laughs> oh, don't ask. So for, I think from that point on, like Kieran is much more better. like himself. Yeah, he will, you know, get something to eat. He will bathe and uh, shave, and then he will go to the tavern with Orin and Jessup, and he'll treat them to a round of drinks all right so one thing uh going off of the conversation that you guys were having is i thought it might be interesting to kind of cycle back and talk about something that uh you guys never learned because it wasn't something that you would have found out but something in book two that i thought was very interesting um Kieran was talking about how, you know, there are good people in Malthoon and there are bad people in Irmathos sort of thing. And uh, do you remember in book two, when you were at Fort Trevale, the fort with the dragon, Yeah. there was the yep. one room at the south of the map that had that ghost, that yeah. specter you fought? Yep, the yeah. one that died counting his money or whatever. Yeah, so... The book actually goes into a little bit of detail about him that I thought it might be fun to, to kind of read out to you. It says, Not every member of the Chernisardo Rangers was a selfless crusader for freedom. Ota Gax was a violent and short-tempered monster who found that the Rangers' cause and isolationist operating procedure perfectly suited the bloodlust that saw her exiled from her homeland of Druma. As long as she limited her cruelty to Malthuni troops... Her fellow rangers grumbled, but ultimately turned a blind eye to her depredations. Uh, so she was basically oh. a serial killer in the guise of a Chernisardo ranger, and uh, she actually died in in that location when the uh, uh, wow. fort was attacked. That wasn't the one counting money. That was the one further south. No, yeah. So this was a different one. So the one counting money was uh, a ghost. This was a specter that you guys fought. Yeah, we didn't actually fight though. Like we went in there. Oh yeah, you ran and away because it something and then yeah. left and shut the door and they like they leashed at the door. I think we yeah, didn't so actually. I remember yeah, that. that's you, you right. You ran in. Yep. You ran in and grabbed whatever you saw in the corner yeah. and then ran out. If you'll recall, that is where you found a bag of Malthuni medals. Yes. Yeah, Those that was like were... with the cages, right? Like that was like a dog cages and stuff. Yeah, there yes. were a bunch of dog cages in there as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so when they attacked, she had been caught in that room, and uh, the trolls uh, uncovered her and just um, let their troll hounds in, and uh, basically she got eaten to death there. So those medals were like her trophies that like serial yes. killers keep? Oh, yeah. that's messed up. That's another point. So like over drinks, Kieran would explain to you, he has kept all of those medals, one in particular belonged to his second oldest brother, who he now knows is dead. Oh, no. Yeah. So, like, when we got those medals, Kieran secretly kept them. And he would also explain to you that his ring is 
like technically a ring of protection plus one, but the sigil on it is the crest of House Turalia. So that is another like keepsake. And I think, Jason, there was something. Oh, you had Jessup roll on the medals. You had him roll a knowledge nobility, I think, to see if he could recognize the symbol on the medal with the symbol on Kieran's ring. And he didn't roll high enough, but it was possible that Jessup would have seen a similarity between the two, even back in like book two. Yeah, I had, uh, I called for it just to see if I wasn't going to say, oh, that looks like Kieran's ring. I was going to be like that particular metal looks familiar for some reason, but you don't know why. That was as far as I was going to explain it. But yeah, that bag had 14 Multhuni medals. So yeah, Kieran would pull them out. And again, like also explain that was part of his motivation because now instead of having four brothers, he's now only got two and one of them still is MIA. So he doesn't know if that one's dead or alive. He had kind of just assumed they all were dead. Yeah, I thought that was a very interesting uh, bit of lore that applied kind of out of game to the conversation that went on. So it uh, basically just confirms, you know, like, you know, there's bad people on both sides and good people on both sides. But I thought I'd read that off. Did Jessup know that person? Probably not. Jessup spent a lot of his time recruiting people, and that is not someone he would have recruited. So they probably joined separately. <laughs> Jessup's like, actually, I recruited her. <laughs> I thought she was swell. <laughs> yeah, I thought she was great. <laughs> I, I mean, presumably, because a lot of rangers died, the only one maybe left that Jessup had recruited was Corncob. Yeah. Oh, Corncob. Who's still alive. Yes, and uh, reorganizing the rangers at the fort now with cereal. So, yeah, you guys have that conversation. You go out for drinks and all that stuff. And again, any other remaining scenes for the remainder of the days uh yeah at some point Gideon is gonna pull Jessup aside privately okay maybe go out <laughs> to a pub ironically enough uh not knowing that what are we alcoholics yeah. like what is happening <laughs> Gideon wasn't there he didn't know he didn't know that he already went Kieran uh, has always been one for the cups so yeah, yeah Kieran has been but wherever this scene takes place doesn't matter so much so long as they meet up in private Joseph, if I'm to be honest with you now, um, I would like to talk about Kieran. It is. Wait, uh, were we at the pub or not? Yeah, sure, we can be at the pub. Okay. We we can set the scene as we we went to the pub, just ordered drinks. They both are there, and uh, he begins talking. Sure. What do you want to know? Well, uh, to be honest, I was not nearly as upset as I feigned. I just wanted a moment to speak with you privately because I feel that. Um, Kieran's actions should have realistically um, affected you the most, given that you are near Marthy and Malthoon has been your enemy. I... I'm inclined to trust Kieran. I believe his actions have spoken uh, well of him, regardless of what his past may be. But that said, he did lie. And they lied to you. Most of all, I was not there when you were informed, and I don't know all of the magics that Kieran is capable of. I wanted to hear without him around, without his influence or being over you or however. Do you truly trust that man, and are you willing to set aside your, your differences by birth? 
If you were in my shoes, what would you do? Aliens back. I do not know, Jesso. I have not fought against other kin before. Most of my fighting had been undead or orcs. And to be honest, I'm not sure a younger Gideon would have made the right choice. Though I like to think that now, my true goal in fighting and serving Milani's cause is peace and freedom for all people. And Kieran's story has shown me that that um, all people can be oppressed in their own ways. Sure can. Just takes a big gulp of his ale. And to that point, I don't have your lived experience growing up in Nermathas. So I can't speak to that. Here, Gideon, I stand for freedom. I'm sitting right now, but I stand for freedom. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I would have recruited Kieran into the Rangers if I could. Even though I know that he's Malthoon, he has done more for Nirmathos than some Rangers I know who apparently dedicate their lives to ridding themselves of those nasty Malthoonies. So, yes, I trust him. He might have cast some spells on me. I don't know, but I think I'm okay. He's okay. You haven't finished your drink yet. What are you doing? Oh, to be honest, I'm not particular to alcohol so much. Just slides Gideon's mug over to him. I'll take it. Here's a bad influence. Gideon smiles. I'm sorry. I'm afraid that I won't be the most excellent of uh, drinking company. Uh, and he goes to stand up, and he'll you do are a good listener. Quick scan of the room, Jace. Is there any other parties that are real quick? A good listener heated all the talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, quick scan of the room. Is there any other uh, group of dwarves giving in to uh, revelry, or is there any particularly uh, cute ladies in the vicinity? There are Wait. a lot of dwarves. <laughs> oh yeah. What? What is? What is Gideon onto now? Um, Gideon, before he leaves, he's gonna try to corral uh, a handful of fun people and be like, "Here, this." is the hero of Nirmathos, the hero of Feindar, Jessup himself, one of the famed Chanisardo rangers, truly uh, a man among men, and uh, introduce them and uh, kind of leave them all to their, their revelry as he takes Jessup off. raises his mug, out of a bard among bards! There would be, uh, yeah, there'd be plenty of dwarves in there. Now that uh, things are looking up on the siege front, uh, the city got quite a bit more lively, so the pubs are even more full than they were when you first arrived, so it would Gideon be... might enjoy the atmosphere a bit longer and tell some embellished, though non-specific stories of supposed feats of, you know, Jessup Elfin the Brave. He's taking my job! <laughs> you throw my buffs, you corral into these people. 
Stay in your class lane, buddy. It's a pretty good show. <laughs> All right. So, do you meet up with Kieran after this, or? Yeah, at, at one point he'll uh, he'll find Kieran. I don't know what he's doing, but I imagine still by the fist. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine he might be. I don't know. No, he's probably shopping now. Oh, well, fairly Jessup's being mobbed by women and dwarves. Women and dwarves. Well, dwarves can be women, you know. <laughs> male dwarves. He's being formed by male dwarves. They're like changelings. <laughs> All dwarves yeah. are men. Uh, yeah, it's exclusively male dwarves and female non-dwarves. <laughs> Great. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, no, he'll meet up with him at, at some point. Um, I imagine it's it's nighttime because I just like that. Of course, there's no real day unless we're up at the fish. Yeah, it's pretty much daytime perpetually uh, when you're down in the mountain hold because it's uh, the sun is just that massive crystal and, and, and flame that reverberates off of the refracts off of the ceiling of the cavern. Oh, so. I know. You find Kieran at a nice little cafe enjoying a cup of coffee and a pastry. It's actually very easy to find him because you just have to ask, have you seen someone with wings walking down the street? <laughs> have you seen he a dragon person? No, he doesn't just like pull out his wings willy nilly, okay? No, maybe, maybe he does. No, he doesn't. No. Sometimes. No. I mean, I gotta be honest. If I had wings, I'd, I'd have them out willy nilly all the time. Well, Constantly. I, like, I know that we leveled up, so technically he has it available, but I'm like playing it that he doesn't. Like he wasn't just walking down the street and like, oh, wings! Surprise. Where did these come from? <laughs> like, no, no. I like to think he sneezed and they just popped out when he sneezed. <laughs> what are these? I love, oh. I love the difference approach. Where I'm just like, yeah, no, Gideon looks like an angel now, and you're just like, no, 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 no. Like no, he doesn't no, know. No. <laughs> it's like, like Kieran will find out eventually, you know. But so yeah, he's enjoying a nice day with a. A pastry and coffee, which I'm sure is like horribly, horribly dark and bitter, like super black coffee that he's like not really drinking, but kind of absentmindedly dipping his pastry into. I'm sorry. Do you think dwarves can't make a good cup of joe? Well, is no, I'm, I'm saying hearing? like with their proclivity for like dark beers and ales, it's probably like very. Oh, it's very strong. I get strong. Jared drinks coffee like yeah. his uh, personality, dark and bitter. <laughs> yeah, uh, dark and bitter. Yeah. That's why they have such good beers, beards. Yes, it's the coffee. Yeah, yeah, right. It'll put hair in your chest. So he finds them. Okay, uh, so Jessup will clip it off. Oh. And kind of asks if he could sit with them. Uh, sure, Gideon. Have a seat. Uh, would you like me to get you a uh, pastry? <laughs> um, no, I'm all right without a pastry, though. I, I'll indulge a coffee. All right, I'll, I'll... He goes and he brings you a coffee and a pastry. <laughs> if you don't want it, I'll eat it, but I figured, you know, maybe once you see it, you'll want to try it. It's actually really good. Or maybe you'll feel less bad about buying two this way. I don't judge, Kieran. Uh, and on that note... I want you to know, um, I I do support you, and I would be honored to fight along your side. Uh, to be honest with you, the night before, it did surprise me, and I was, but for a moment, hurt by your lies. But I understood the purpose of your deceptions, and that they were not inherently evil. I had to talk with Jessup alone, to make sure that the strength of his conviction was true, and I have assured as much. He speaks well of you. He gives me more credit than I'm due, I think. 
Sometimes. And that's why I want to charge you. Do not let him down. Oh, I thought you meant, like, literally give, like, give you money. Like, charge me for... That was my punishment, but I, I'm sorry, I misunderstood. Charge me with... Go on. A promise. You will not betray Jessup's trust, and you will live up to every expectation he has of you. And if you can agree to that, I would like you to stick around. <laughs> uh, I mean, my gut feeling is that Yes, I would promise that, but I don't know all of Jessup's expectations for me, so I'm not really comfortable with promising something that I don't necessarily know if I can hit, but I think that's something I can I can do. And he leans forward and he sticks out his pinky. This is how we do it in Molthoon. I'm not familiar with this custom. But Just he give me your pinky, pinky of your opposite hand. All right. Like a handshake. Sort of, but only with the pinky. <laughs> oh, okay. Pinky promise. Pinky promise. This session is so weird. Strange. Beard Strange. clippings and pinky promises. That's the name of this episode. Yeah. Strange custom. Molthoon has become a very cute expansionist <laughs> culture. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's how they seal the, the truce <laughs> with the dwarves, by pinky promise. <laughs> it's a very sacred practice, okay? You guys laugh, but it's it's a big deal to them. Um, yeah, in in all seriousness, though, Kieran will nod at that and say, Absolutely, Gideon, if that's all that you require of me, I think I can do my best to uphold that promise. I'm happy to hear it. And not just him. I strive to meet the expectations of you and Oren as well. Just don't set your expectations too high. I worry not, Kirin. In most ways, you have met them. But now, if they have any questions, I am an open book. So feel free to ask at any time anything that you want to know. I owe you all that, at least. I do have a few, if you have the time. C certainly. Are these, like, actual questions you're going to ask, or is this, like, hypothetical yeah. now he asks questions? Okay. No, no, yeah. Oh, boy. Um, so you mentioned that you, you've heard Malthoon was attacked by the Legion? I mean, I don't know if they've been attacked, but when we were back at Fort Trevale, we ascended the tower before we fought the dragon. We spoke with a cougar and her pet cat, and she had a map in her office a map of the movements of the legion and on there there was evidence that they potentially will be expanding towards Molthoon so I do not know if they have progressed in that direction yet if they're focused on taking out Nirmathos first and then pushing south but I didn't need to know all I knew is that if that's the direction they're heading then I will do everything in my power to stop them Yes, and that way it's advantageous for, for you as well, to protect your own homelands. And don't get me wrong, the time I've spent in Nirmathos, I do care about these people. So it's not just for the sake of Morthun that I'm doing this, but I have family there that I still care very much about. And I will give my life before any of the Legion step foot in that place again. You see... Morthoon has a very tenuous history with hobgoblins. I'm not sure if you're aware, but at one time they were 
able to serve in the military as mercenaries. I was aware of the decree, yes. And I have a feeling that it may have been hobgoblins who who could have had a hand in my brother's death. It was never said as much, but his regiment did work a lot with the, with the mercenaries, so it's always been at the back of my mind. And then when the Legion broke off, that caused a lot of strife in Molthoon. So I think... I think I need to do whatever I can to put the Legion down. Can I bore you with a political discourse? Like I said, I'm in your debt, Gideon, so whatever you would like to do, I'm here for it. Just let me get another pastry first. And he slides the one you gave him over. Are you sure? It's very good. Maybe just half. He'll tear half off, and then he'll sit back to listen. I have spent only some time in Nirmathos, and Jessup stands out as unique to me. I'm not sure that the common sentiment among the Nirmothi people will ever lead to, well, a nation of their own, let alone peace. I currently see as this endless war between your countries with no clear line of ceasefire. What are the political ideations within Malthun? Are there those that seek to stop the expansion of the Empire? If there are, they probably don't even speak up at this point, because there would be repercussions. Uh, most of the vocal majority is in favor of assimilating Nermathos back into Molthun. What I fear, though, is the fact that Nermathos broke off in the first place. What's to keep them from breaking off again from each other and causing civil war? It's for the very reason they don't have a good leader and that's by design, and I don't necessarily fault them for that, but I fear that that could also lead to bad decisions and civil war, potentially. So while I don't condone what Molthun is trying to do, I think that the current political structure in Nirmathos is not sustainable. Do you have any faith in this Wesleyan Garvik that I've heard of, the Forest Marshal? Apparently, I've heard Nirmathos is more united than they used to be. Do you think he has the conviction to change the heart of the Nirmathi people to leadership? I think it's worth a shot, if nothing else. He seems to have ambition, and he seems to have a good head on his shoulders, so if he is able to set out and do what I think he is trying to do, if he can rally the people behind him, then I think they will be okay, but... It's. It remains to be seen if he will be successful or not. As you can tell from your travels through Nirathasa, they're very independent, very proud. I give them credit for that, but again, each virtue can also be a vice. As I'm sure you're aware, myself included, virtues can become vice. Should terrible events work in our favor. Do you think that if Morthun were unfortunately attacked by the Legion as well that they would ever uh, stand alongside Nirmathi in a joint effort to defeat the Legion? Or do you think that that's not a possibility? I would say at this point right now 
With the leadership of Molthun, I think they would be too proud to stand beside Nirmathos against the Legion. Molthun places great weight in the military strength. Uh, we were trained that we were the greatest military force in all of Galarian, and that no one could stand against us. I, I tell you, some of the things I've grown up learning is, looking back, is quite ludicrous, but... Yeah, the atheists in the South, I think they've got quite an army. I won't deny that we do have a very good military. Certainly not suited to fighting the guerrilla wars of Nirmathos, but as strict regiments, we are very organized and very efficient. So I've often thought of what would happen if we came head to head with the Legion and in traditional warfare, I think we would be fine, but they can sprout up these towers in the middle of cities and wherever they want. They have the advantage of mobility and I think that would be our downfall. So I think that while Molthen would try to fight on their own, I think ultimately they would fall. Plus, more confusing to me, we still don't know the size or strength of the Legion's army, only their advances. Numbers are beyond our intel. Yes, so that is some of the concern that weighs on me each day that we continue. And that's why I think we need to continue with this quest and hopefully we can figure out where we go from here because it's only going to get worse and the longer we tarry, the longer they have to build up their strength. The siege here, they've agreed to a ceasefire, but do you think that um, Molthun will call off their advances into Kragadan? I would like to think so. Um, I don't know all of what goes through the head of Teldas, but knowing some of the character within the upper leadership of Molthun, I would think that if they come to terms of a ceasefire, they will abide by the terms of the ceasefire. That is one thing that Molthun prides itself on is honor and keeping promises. He kind of says that sheepishly, looking down at his coffee. I have a request of you, actually. You know that I serve Milani and that I, I hope for freedom, but my strengths lie mostly in battle. Somewhat well-spoken, but not, not nearly enough. And never have I been cunning. I want our advances as a party, as a group, to not only benefit near Mythos and but Malthun as well. I would love if our actions throughout this war, this defense, were to somehow result in either unity or peace. I like to believe I support the independence of near Mythos, but to be honest, I think just rule and peace are noble pursuits, and although Mark Wintelas does not have my support, perhaps someone would. I just keep that in mind. If there's anything you can do on your side, or if you ever think of a way to spin the truth a little to advance a political agenda, <laughs> I would not be closed off to that idea. Well, I have never thought of myself as one for politics, but I've often thought of what comes next if we are successful against the Legion. What, what do we do next? And I'm not sure I will be of much help, but I will do what I can. Well, the way I see the end of this shaking out, even if Nirmathos defeats the Legion, they'll be battered and broken. 
Surely Malthun could take that opportunity. That's my biggest fear at the moment. Yes, I, I can understand that feeling and that fear. And I think for right now we have to put that aside and deal with what's currently in front of us. Because if I think too much about the future and what might come, it's a bit overwhelming. So I'm trying to stay on task with the immediate issue and then we'll deal with those other issues should we survive this. I respect that. And I agree. You have to focus on what's in front of you. But I think I'm going to begin trying to think tackling both at once. Kieran will smile. Well, if there's anything I can do to help, let me know. I will. You have my confidence and my trust. I appreciate that, Gideon. I know for all the joking that we do with you, you you are an honorable man. I have seen that. And although you may be a bit more zealous than I in your devotion, I do have respect for your commitment to follow a cause. I'll be honest, it does help. Milani has less followers, so it's easier to feel closer. He takes a bite of the pastry. <laughs> Thank you. And, uh, yeah, the scene can fade from there. It fades with Kieran shoving a pastry in his mouth. <laughs> so, I will say that I am worried about one thing. Um, it seems like there's been a lot of cathartic moments uh, in Kragadan between books. And I'm afraid that there won't be as many childish fights moving forward. Oh, we'll still find <laughs> <reasons>. <laughs> Oh, don't worry about that too much. Yeah, look, we'll, yeah, we'll bicker. Come on. I look yeah. forward to people getting angry over small things. It is fun. My favorite, my favorite conflict of the whole thing. What a two! It's got to be when Nayari just tore into Orin. That was great. Love that. <laughs> yeah, um, of all the times to roll a natural twenty on a combat maneuver yeah, and right? throw him into the wall, I was like, that is not what I meant to do <laughs> at all. The best thing ever. Um, either that, or I really did like one of our more recent ones. The the conflict between law and chaos uh, and money. <laughs> thought that one was really good just perfectly petty yeah common denominator is sarah is always involved so yeah yeah says yeah, something about me <laughs> well uh all of you again you spend the rest of your days uh two weeks maybe more depending on on how things go uh quite some time in kragadan buying items preparing yourselves upgrading your gear maybe doing some research with carver and all that stuff but after that period of time ends, maybe two or so weeks, Carburton summons you all to his home. His message that he sends to you mentions a particularly complicated matter which he would prefer to discuss in person and in private. And upon arrival, as I assume none of you ignore the summons, um, you find him in his home seated near a, a wide hearth with open seats for each of you and finely crafted chalices filled with wine and ale or or whatever other beverages you'd like placed near each of the seats. And once each of you come in and you do your greetings and you're all seated around this hearth, he clears his throat deeply and it's a gesture that you've, you've come to learn is a sign that he has a great deal to say and it is unknown how long it will take for him to say it. 
So you all prepare yourselves for a long lecture as he rubs his beard and begins to speak. He says, I wish I could uh, offer you better tidings, but I must be forthright. While Prince Gorm has dispatched some material aid to your allies in Longshadow, Kragadan does not have the luxury of providing direct military assistance at this time. With the siege still in place, albeit loosened considerably in preparation for a ceasefire, our manpower is uh, tied up. We cannot jeopardize our homeland by sending our small defensive forces on a potentially long-term offensive mission. Of course, that does not mean we are unwilling to help. I have actually completed my research on the Onyx Key, the artifact stolen from our vaults, and uh, it is indeed the weapon your enemies now use to move their troops. As you may know for yourselves already, the device creates a network of extra-dimensional tunnels. It's, it's a fascinating process, truly. Uh, my ancestors suspected the artifact relies on some great power source or hub positioned outside the material plane, and uh, they once opened a gate to it using a, a red sardonyx shard from the artifact's base. But uh, in the process, they unleashed terrible monsters that ravaged our city. I believe... The Iron Fang Legion has succeeded where my ancestors failed, conquered this uh, hub, and now uses it as a central stronghold from which they direct their invasion. I've been trying to locate this sardonyx shard so you too can open a gate to the hub, and to my astonishment, my most recent divination successfully located it. I, I last found it deep within the heart of the Fangwood Forest, but... Soon thereafter, a powerful magic began shielding it from my spells, and there can only be one culprit, the Blight. Surely you know the legends of the Fangwood's diseased heart, tales of a cruel, corrupted fay, and trees that shift and trails that change once travelers pass. This is all the work of the Blight, or more precisely, the Dark Blight, uh, which is both a a disease and a place, the realm of a corrupted fey ruler called Arlantia. But uh, it was not always this way. More than 700 years ago, magma spewed from Droskar's crag and decimated the dwarven enclaves of the Five Kings Mountains. Though this uh, devastating event known as the Rending did not reach Kragadan, my noble ancestors still suffered from deeply scarred spirits. Fearing an imminent eruption, they sought insight. Would another explosion come to destroy them, too? Dwarven legend told of a powerful earth goddess, a Gleistig named Gendwin, who dwelled deep within the nearby Fangwood and ruled over a community called the Acresial Court. Uh, of course, goddess is uh, something of an honorific. She was powerful, but hardly divine, I think at least. Um, regardless, Despite uh, desperate for uh, any uh, support, Kragadan sent emissaries into the forest uh, to contact this earth goddess and beseech her aid. Most remaining records of this expedition are journals. It seems they traveled through the Fangwood. Uh, they, they took care to remember they were guests in an alien, verdant world. 
They recompensed any fae they inconvenienced. They hunted game only when needed to survive. And they even protected a dryad grove from interloping loggers. Finally, they reached the regal Gendwin's court. Falling prostrate before her, they honored her wisdom and asked a single question. Would the earth again erupt and send them all to Torag's side? My interpretation is that the emissary's thoughtfulness and respect touched Gendwin deeply. She apparently offered each of them a comforting embrace before communing with the earth. She happily reported that the Mindspin Mountains had no inclination towards eruption. She also brokered a true alliance with Kragadan. After consulting with her fey courtiers, she crafted a powerful golden artifact named Dryad Song, a golden rod that could call the fey of the Fangwood to the bearer's aid. She gave it as a gift, with her assurance that so long as she held dominion over the Fangwood, they were welcome to visit. And uh, records suggest they took her up on that offer several times in the ensuing decades. However, 80 years later, Kragadan lost all contact with Gendwin. Confused and concerned, they sent a delegation into the forest equipped with Dryad's song. But the delegation never returned, and the artifact was lost. They then sent a fully armed war party into the forest, which too never returned. They sent another, which also vanished. But this time, a single dwarven survivor returned. Infected with virulent fungal diseases and carrying a brief message. Gendwin and the Fangwood belong to Arlantia, the princess of the blasted heath. To defy her is to invite death. All subsequent dwarven re rescuers met only slaughter, and the dark blight continued to spread. Heartbroken, my ancestors conceded that Gendwin was lost. They created runestones, great monoliths studded with gold and gems, to channel power, uh, ritual magic, uh, that kept the dark blight at bay. Unfortunately, in recent years, we have noticed the dark blight spreading once more to our growing alarm. Until now, however, the knowledge of Gendwin and the Acrestial Court had faded from our collective me memory. Now that we have reclaimed this knowledge, due in no short measure to your recent actions, uh, much of the missing information has resurfaced. It was actually located in the very library of the, uh, the reliquary that you cleared out. Once it was made safe, it's revealed much of this to me. Carver and clears his throat once more, a sign that you have learned to indicate one of two things. Either his lecture is soon to end, or about to take a new direction. He continues, The sardonic shard is uh, somewhere within this cursed realm. I don't know why, precisely. And it is cloaked by the region's powerful corruption. But if you are willing to brave this terrible place, then... This may be a blessing in disguise. As I have said already, we lack the military resources to muster an offensive force, but this Ganduin, should she still live, and I believe her to be too powerful in existence to have simply been slain, uh, and this Arlanta too vain to have killed her, uh, she and her fey constituents could prove powerful allies against the Iron Fang Legion and I suspect she would honor my ancestor's alliance should she be rescued. It seems Arlantia was a dryad once, and so she must be bound to a tree somewhere in that foul forest. Your sardonic shard and Ganduin are 
both likely held there, if you can find them. Now, friends, I've spoken at length here, but I'm sure you have many questions, and I will do my best to answer them. He then sits back in his chair a bit, and his face is obviously suggesting that he expects like a litany of inquiries. And he just kind of sits there silently. We all say nothing. Yeah, Kieran's <laughs> kind of like wide-eyed, like, okay then. Because I don't think he really knows much about the blight. No, Orin met the tree. Did Orin meet the tree? Well, Kieran, we all met the tree. No. Orin did not, Orin meet, the did not meet the tree. He's Orin the only one that didn't meet did the tree. not. Jessup did. Gideon, Gideon did, did not. not. So just Jessup and... Oh, that was Aiden? Oh. Yeah. I think yeah, it was a while back. Actually, was Kieran even there? Yeah. Kieran must have been there. That was book two. So yeah, that was Kieran. Yeah. Kieran yeah, and Kieran. Jessup have met. Long, Long Frond, the treant. Yes. Ooh, do you think, is Long Frond that dryad in disguise? No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, probably not. Wait. Is that the GM talking, scoffing at me, or is that... That, uh... that is the GM scoffing at me. Okay. I right, just double-checking. Unclear. Got it. <laughs> no, that's a definitive no. So I guess Kieran would say, so what you're, what you're saying is we need to find this sardonic shard to go to the hub, because that's where, presumably, all of the Iron Fang Legion troops are coming from. So they, they're in this hub. They use these shards to just pop up towers places and that's how they funnel through so quickly precisely yes I as I've said my ancestors and and no no dwarf have actually who are still alive and didn't perish in the attack none of us have been through the gateway with the Ardonic shard the sardonic shard sorry um but uh it indicates from our records that it goes to some central hub that connects all the towers and the the shard is literally the key to their front gates so to speak they're they're winning the war mostly because they can appear anywhere through those black towers that they can grow and they can retreat back into them but and you cannot reach them without the sardonic shard in your control but if you had it then you could hit them in their home base so to speak so to assault the legion at their home base, we have to go into the Fangwood to find the old dryad ally to Kragadon, free her, defeat the blight or whatever, and find the key. The dryad is actually Arlantia, who is uh, who has usurped Gendwin. Gendwin was not okay. a dryad. Okay, not the, so we kill the dryad. That's right, and help the other. Perhaps one. yes. Okay. She seems to be fairly uh, hostile. From what I can read from the records, yes. So this blight, is that caused by this dryad and the sardonyx shard? And is that something completely different and unrelated? The blight has nothing to do with the sardonyx shard, but it would appear that it does have something to do with our lancia. I'm not keenly aware on what the dark blight is exactly, but... And he fixes you with a serious stare. He says, I won't lie. I, the terrible nature of the Dark Flight almost defies words. The single dwarf who returned from Kragadan alive uh, from those depths described a place of horror, nightmares, uh, and rot before 
dying of an excruciatingly painful death. It is said that the blighted depths corrupts the living bodies of fae and careless travelers, and they grow into sickly tree trunks, and uh, mushrooms and fungus grow at the spew spores and uh, gnaw your brain. A hideous, maddening laughter echoes from every direction, it's said. Magic often malfunctions or doesn't work at all, hence my divinations being blocked. The blighted forest will test your very soul, and... Uh, I believe that you, my friends, might be the only ones strong enough to fight it. Oh, the more I hear about this, the more it seems like a suicide mission. For many a dwarf it has been. I mean, Kieran, for everything we've been through, what has not been a suicide mission? Right, but I'm thinking long term, going to this hub. We have no idea what's there. We have no idea the numbers. We have no idea what we'd face. It just doesn't seem like something that we can come back from. Oh yeah, we just get, uh, you know, we, we, we hope that Malthun can maybe come to the senses and they can help us join the fray and I can go back to Cobb uh, and have him recruit probably like the ten ranges we got left and no problem. I'm sure the dwarves would lend forces for something like that. I mean, that's a precious relic of our people. Of course, yeah. I, I imagine that it would be easy to uh, convince the rest of the Synod if you were to recover the Sardonic Shard and muster your forces into some sort of alliance and, and march against the Legion, knowing where you're going. Even if you don't know their forces or their numbers, I am sure that Kragadan would be able to muster its forces for such a cause. Uh, and I imagine that by that time, perhaps the situation with the siege will have loosened even further. Uh, and it is, as you th have surmised, I imagine, it is likely that the reason our, our estimates of the Legion's numbers are so out of whack is because they're likely harding, hiding their entire army in this hub area. Is there any way to just, with the key, just turn off the hub? Like lock the door and then they can't get out and then it is what it is? Uh, That'd be that, cool. That is certainly uh, something worth considering, but it is hard to say. I know that the shard can open a path to the hub, and I believe the shard can even redirect towers to different towers, and that's what allows them to hop from one place to the next. I don't know if it's possible to completely shut down all of the passages, but perhaps, though, that would leave all of the legion there with any prisoners that they might have taken, but... That might be a sacrifice that we need to make, depending on how strong their forces are. Well, we did a surprise attack on the cow on the hill, and that worked. Cow <laughs> on the hill. <laughs> so Kieran just has this, like, really sad look on his face, and he says, We finally got to a city with amenities, and now you're telling me we have to go back out to the forest. This blight sure doesn't sound like fun, so... No. And uh, again, I apologize that my tidings couldn't be more uplifting. And it was a surprise to me as well that the shard would be in the Fangwood of all places. I've only one idea of why it might be there, and it might be that the Legion is seeking its own allies. In which case, there's even more reason to disrupt things there. Should the Legion get Arlantia on their side in the Dark Blight, that I think we would have a much bigger issue than just losing Malthun and Nirmathos to their expanse. 
yeah, the Blight right now is at least confined to the Force. Can you imagine if they were able to open portals for the Blight to just transfer all around? It would be catastrophic, to say the least. That was a slightly rhetorical question. Thank you. I think back to the the Fae that we dealt with at that one fort, and... Oh, to think grubs. Don't forget those. Yeah, to think of Blighted Fae just sounds immensely worse, so... Do you know if there's anybody in the city that knows anything about the Blight? Or studied it? At all? Uh, I guess any kind of insight? I believe I am the foremost expert on the Blight, to be honest. What I can tell you beyond what I've already said is... uh, it, it, It is a disease and a curse. It is contagious. So, if you were to come across any blighted plants, steer clear as much as you can. The, uh... The bright side is that, well, Fae are quite vulnerable to the Blight. Mortals seem uh, a little bit uh, more difficult to infect. Dwarves, humans, and the like seem to catch it only directly from the trees, rather than simply, uh, you know, mingling in its area. Um, So you should be safe, even though you are in the Blighted Forest, as long as you maintain distance from some of the more affected area. Don't touch anything. (laughs) Yes, do your best not to touch anything with the strange movement to it. Otherwise, as long as you are not there for an extended period of time, you should be alright. Rumors say that uh, the Fae lash their victims to the infected trees for days at a time to infect them. So, I guess I would say try not to be captured. So, so step back a second or two there. You said we should be okay. Will we be okay? Or should we, from a hypothetical standpoint, not 100% be okay? Well, it depends on how easily you are able to maintain your distance from heavily blighted areas and how long you end up staying. If you're there for maybe maybe a week, it probably won't be that bad. But if you're there for like months at a time, then you're probably going to be hard-pressed to avoid contracting the Dark Blight yourselves. Just a flicks at the party. Uh, Show of hands of those who assume that the shot is in the most heavily blighted area. Raise your hand. Just raises his hand to humor him. Yes, at that point I would suggest a very quick in and out, if possible. I imagine that that's easier said than done. I understand that. With the the groups that had gone there, do do you have any maps or anything you could provide of uh, the area or any details like that or are we going in blind well I have no maps but I do have the next best thing I spoke of the runestone that uh, the the many runestones that the dwarves had erected to uh, keep the blight at bay well uh, it is possible that I could uh, devise a ritual that should you make it to these runestones and complete this ritual there, uh, and then maybe chip off a piece of the runestone itself, it would be imbued with a connection to the aura of the sardonic shard that I picked up from my divinations, and would be able to lead you in a path towards it. Eventually, the Dark Blight would eat away at the connection, so at it might not take you all of the way to the shard, but it would lead you to the general area at least. That's better than nothing. So sounds like our next move is to head back into the forest and 
Try and find one of these rune stones. Indeed. And I'm sure as as experienced adventurers yourselves, you're well aware, but I would just caution that you likely know the enemies you'll be facing. The natural surroundings is one, but you will likely be facing many corrupted plants and corrupted fae. So I would prepare accordingly. Kieran thinks about that skill point he just put into knowledge planes and wishes that he had put it into knowledge nature instead. <laughs> Oops. Oopsies. Oopsies. Stay here another week and we'll retrain. Yeah, right. Uh, one thing I will say, you guys can all roll a uh, knowledge religion if you'd like. Uh, I'll allow a knowledge planes if you want to. Yeah, nat 20. Nailed it. Um, I don't have religion, but I have a plus five in planes. 16. Uh, I will aid Gideon in religion. Uh, I have a 13, so that is an auto pass. That's a perception roll. That's perception. That's perception. You see into the future. (laughs) There we are. All right. Still good. So we got a 27 religion, uh, a 34 religion, and uh, 16 knowledge planes. So uh, 36 religion, if it makes a difference. Oh, yes, because you were aiding. Yes. So Orin and Gideon uh, and uh, Jessup, who aided your religion checks, uh, do learn one bit of information. And uh, if you were to announce this as a question or a revelation, Carpurn would actually verify it. Uh, in his long spiel, he talked about the message that the dwarf had brought back, the one surviving dwarf. It had said... Gendwin and the Fangwood belong to Erlantia, the princess of the Blasted Heath. To defy her is to invite death. The Blasted Heath sticks out to you, uh, those of you who know about religion. There is a particular demon lord named Sith Visug, who is known as Prince of the Blasted Heath. And if anyone in this conversation brought up Sith Visug, that would actually bring up a memory to Kieran and Jessup. In book two, after you had defeated Ibzyriak, there was a corner of his area that had a sort of like a makeshift altar, almost. And you saw the symbol of Sith Visug. It was almost like a recreation of the symbol. It wasn't the symbol exactly, but it was similar to the symbol of Sith Visug. And you do know that Ibzyriak was uh, heading north into the Fangwood, so it's likely that Ibzyriak had some dealings with the Blight. Oh, it wasn't uh, Ibzyriak trying to court his creepy lady friend? Yeah, I was going to say, so does that mean that we're going to have to fight another dragon? Kieran's like, yeah, yeah. Who's the, what was the name of the dragon again? Uh, you know that he had been infatuated with a dragon named Nefexi. And it was Nefexi who was asking him to bring, like, weird plants and fungi. And that's why he was with the uh, druid hobgoblin. She was, like, cultivating stuff for him to take over his gifts. That had the poison spores or whatever in her little shack. Yeah. Yeah, so she had, like, a book. Was there anything in that that gave us more information about what's going on now that we kind of have some insight? She had a notebook that she had. So she didn't know much about what Ibzyriak was doing. She knew that he was courting some dragon named Nefexi, and he had continually made requests of her for unique and rare herbs. She never really questioned too much, but she kind of humored him because the task of, of cultivating these herbs was kind of cathartic for her druid sensibilities. So you don't, like, there's, she didn't have any details about Nefexi, really. 
just like a third party observation of of Ibzyriak's obsession with her. But yeah, the the blasted heath definitely sticks out to you as indicative of the demon lord Sithsug. And what's he demon lord of? So he was originally a Clippeth lord, and he is older than any of the demons now residing in the abyss. His areas of concern, concern are disease, fungus, and parasites. His domains are chaos, earth, evil, plant, with subdomains of caves, decay, demon growth, plague. Favorite weapon is a scimitar, and he is chaotic evil. So we have a crazy devotee of the Zug dude who's trying to plague the world. Got it. Yep, he is described as a uh, misshapen and monstrous being the size of a house. His body is made of a horrid mass of tubers, fungus, and rot shot through with grasping tentacles and claws. You mentioned that he's the demon thing of uh, parasites and Kieran thinks back to the rot grubs and just like shudders. Yeah, and you'll recall, recall that the pixie that you guys fought was a blighted pixie. Well, I'm glad I picked up a pistol. Oh boy, I'm not looking forward to this. <laughs> Sarah is very nervous about this. I will also allow people who wish to to make a knowledge nature check. Uh, Jessup will, and he will get a 34. With a 34, you, okay, you have no idea what a Gleistig is. I thought long and hard, I have no idea what that is. Carburton kind of nods, he says, yes, uh, I'm only vaguely aware of it. It's, I, I know that a Gleistig is a, a fae of, of some mythic power, but beyond that, I don't know. Well, uh, any other questions you have? Surely there must be many more questions. I think I just need time to process it a little bit more before, you know, maybe, maybe we'll have more questions. I just, it's a lot to take in and to think about, honestly. Yeah, I uh, kind of, kind of quit the detour there. You know, I, Legion, and then, then the uh, Darklands, and then now the Blight. We always knew to try to stay away from it. And we were in the forest, but I'm just diving straight into it. Well then, if there are no further questions, uh, we can move on to the next steps. Uh, as you now know, the Dark Blight twists and warps the natural terrain, making it nearly impossible to traverse without getting trapped forever. And uh, as I've already mentioned, uh, I, I might have a solution to get you past that. Unfortunately, areas overtaken by the Dark Blight become infused with the foul energy that confuses divination magic, so... I will not be able to follow you uh, from afar with my divination to make sure that you are all right. But as I said, I can at least overcome part of this issue for you with the great runestones. Uh, I have the ritual to link the aura with the sardonic shard. And he actually gets up and hands Kieran like a stack of papers, little notes. And he says, here are the notes for the ritual and uh, a map to the nearest runestone. The entire process should be simple, you know, no more than an hour's time, I should think. And as I said, once complete, just chip off a piece of the runestone, and it should guide you most of the way to the Sardonic Shard. Again, it, it will be eaten away, the connection, eventually, but you'll feel a gentle tug in the direction you need to go. And uh, once you are in the area, you will then be able to find things for yourselves. You'll be close enough to look for a tree that might indicate uh, her where the dryad is bound but it will take you at least as far as an area known as the blighted depths which 
which I, I understand is a a frightening term for a place to be going to, but that is where you will be headed, and that is all that I have to say. So, again, prepare yourselves if you do indeed decide to embark on this quest, and uh, I will answer any questions that you might have in the ensuing days before your departure. Again, should you choose to leave. Well, it's much appreciated, Carburton. You've done us a great favor and provided us with a lot of information that we probably wouldn't have been able to find out on our own, so you have my thanks for that. Whatever happens. Of course, I'm more than happy to help. You've certainly helped myself and Krakatan plenty. So I guess from this point, it's just we have to prepare and then go. All right. So, yeah, as I said, the specific stuff that you you prepare, like you have all the information you have now to like choose out what you need to to prepare for your journey, uh, and we can handle that between sessions. What is your plan for uh, getting to this runestone? You have a map of where it is, uh, but it is several miles into the Fangwood, which is like 80 miles from Kragadan. So I imagine like you're going to have Kieran teleport you. Where are you teleporting to to start your journey? Do we know, are any of the ranger forts? I guess Trevelay, is that the closest? Do a knowledge geography to try to parse out where Trevelay would be on the map that you were given. Along that, quick question. Do we think that this location would be a prominent enough place to qualify for Find the Path? So Find the Path probably wouldn't work because it's a divination spell, right? It is. Yeah. Yeah, so the Dark Blight, the corrupting nature of the Dark Blight pretty much negates divinations entirely. Gotcha. So then how was he able to get just a brief insight? So he he was able to use divination to find the Sardonic Shard while it was on the way to the, to the Dark Blight. It was in the Fangwood, not yet in the Dark Blight, but then future divinations failed. They were cut off, and that is why he is aware of the fact that it has reached the Dark Blight and he can no longer see it. So Jason, if I look at from book two, the map of the Ternisardo that's got the three forts on there, which is the one with the big tower? Is that Trevali? Trevali is the one with the dragon in it. So yes, that had the tower that you were in and fought the dragon. Okay, so this has all the... Well, there's another one that looks like it has a tower, but... So the... Yeah, the uh, that map, the... The forts, I mean, Fort Nunder kind of looks like what it could be, but the, the forts aren't super indicative of what they actually were. But basically the northernmost one was Trevale, the westernmost one was Nun, Nun, Fort Nunder, and the easternmost one was Fort uh, Riston. Riston, okay, okay. Which so is like, Jessup's stopping ground. Yes. Yeah, so I feel like... I feel like it's gotta, I mean, Trevale has to be the one that's closest to the blight. Yeah, either that or like... Josh said Mist Home, but I don't know if Mist Home is in the Fangwood in the opposite direction. And Mist Home Trevale... is somewhat south of Riston. Yeah, so I don't know if that would be close enough. I feel like Trevale is probably the closest, but I don't have... Jessup, I don't know if you have knowledge geography and could roll. Do I have knowledge geography? <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I'll give it a whirl. Now, would I roll once, Jason, just to pinpoint where Trevale is, or can I use the one roll to kind of map out where I think all the towers are. I would say once you know where Trevali is, you'd be able to get your bearings. Alright, well I'm going to gamble it and I'll just take my other nat 20 for the day for a 33. Okay. Yeah, you are able to determine pretty accurately where all of the landmarks in this map are, because you are keenly aware of the uh, ranger forts and Fangwood. 
Fort Trevally is very much the closest location. Uh, it looks like if you're traveling through the Fangwood, it might take uh, maybe a day of travel from the Fort Trevally to the Runestone, maybe slightly less. You might be able to make it in one day, but it's several miles. And with magical aid, making your way there, like you could do find the path before you're in the Blight, you could shorten the distance quite considerably. So, but yeah, Fort Trevally would be the closest known location. Do we know where the tree that we talked to was? Longfrond, I believe, was... She was at, near uh, Trevally, I think. She was closer, I think, to Misthome. I think you met her before going to any of the forts. That's why I brought up Misthome, because maybe talking to them. Didn't she go upwards toward Trevally because we could have asked her to help us to figure out to save the other people that ate the infected deer? Yeah, she moves around. So she kind of, like, all of that area, she just kind of goes where she wants. She's not set in one location. So yeah, she was at Trevally for a time, and you were talking to her, and then... Gotcha. So she, she might just show up. We can't seek her out so much. I mean, you could seek her out, because, like, the rangers probably have maintained some contact with her, so they, they probably know where she is, but, like, she might not be near Trevally. You don't know. We gotta recruit Herge. I like Herge. I like Herge. We should talk to him. So, is the plan to teleport to Trevali, Misthome? Which one are you thinking? I would say Trevali. That would probably be my vote. I would say there as well. Misthome, there can't be... There's probably not even much left. I'm not sure they completely abandoned that holdout, but they might have, because uh, the Iron Fang Legion and Fangdar, they had found it, so... Yeah, you know that it had been converted into less of a refuge and more of like the occasional ranger redoubt. That's what I was thinking it would be. So it's it's kind of like, you know that in the beginning of the campaign, that one cabin you guys went to where the Edder Cap and spiders were around? Uh, and that was like a small ranger recluse. Uh, that's kind of what Mist Home's been turned into. Uh, there's a couple people that still maintain it, but uh, they don't have like a bunch of refugees hiding there. Okay. So once we finish our shopping, bid our farewells to the Synod and the bathhouse, then we'll teleport out and just keep your fingers crossed that I don't roll a stupid number. Yeah, I yeah. would say Fort Trevally is basically my home, so <laughs> should so, be. I yeah. don't think I would call it very familiar, but it's I would say studied carefully is pretty close because you were there for a while. Yeah, okay. so I'd say studied carefully. There's only a 6% chance that something bad happens. The nice thing is that I have, unlike before when I teleported and I only had one spell slot, I have four chances to get this right, so... Or four chances to mess up. Yeah, exactly. All right, here we go. 1d100. 53. 53, so... For studied carefully, 53 would be on target. So you appear where you want to be. So would you be teleporting into like the courtyard of Trevally or into the tower somewhere? I think probably I would teleport us to the, like the top of the tower just so that we don't like freak out a bunch of people who might be like doing stuff in the courtyard. I try to teleport us somewhere that might not have like a lot of traffic so that we can be like, hey, we're back and not just like apparate out of thin air. So, so like where you fought the dragon? Yeah, probably. Okay. So after you guys conclude all of your business in Kragadan, Kieran gathers you up and you teleport to the topmost tower 
of Fort Trevale. And you see that there is nobody in this level at the moment. It has been cleaned quite a bit. You remember that there was a sort of a makeshift swamp that had been created here. Uh, and that has been taken down. Um, it looks like whatever was perpetually creating all of that water has been taken someplace else for other means. But it looks more like just a under construction tower more so than a swamp. And you guys can go down the steps to the lower floor. And uh, the floor right below this one is actually where the war room was. Uh, and if you were to make your way in the direction of that room, you would actually find that uh, Cobb is in and he's made that sort of his office. Uh, and he's actually present and he would kind of look up and see you and you'd see like distinct surprise on his face as he clearly contemplates how the heck you came down the stairs from the tower. Uh, and he's kind of dumbfounded for a minute before he kind of stands and, and greets you. And he says, I, uh, it's a, uh, uh, um, welcome back, I guess. Where did you come from? What? I learned a, a few tricks, so it's just magic. Clearly, did you fly in through the opening? No, we actually came from Kragadan, believe it or not. You, f you we flew didn't fly. from Kragadan? No. no, we just teleported. Just instantly. Oh. Right. Yeah. Okay. You, mm, okay. Just casual. Just we teleported. It's no yeah, big it's deal. Pretty, it's pretty handy, honestly. <laughs> Gideon's eating out of a bag of pastries from the cafe that him and Kieran <laughs> were at earlier. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, uh, welcome back, I guess, uh, Jessup, Kieran. Um, and uh, I don't think did, he hasn't met Orin, has he? No, but he knows Gideon. Ah, you remember Gideon here? Oh, and this is Owen. Yes, I, uh, uh, we, we picked you him look up. very different, uh, Gideon. I, uh, I mean, I only met you briefly, but um, I don't recall you having rose petals all over the place. It's new. He smells like them, too. Yeah, I'm catching that now, actually. Uh, yes, this is uh, new. I, I have found increased favor with my goddess. Well, uh, congratulations, I guess. Issa Pastry just stuffs his face. And uh, who's uh, who's the, the dwarf that you have? Is it a friend you made in Kragadan? Uh, not quite in Kragadan. He, he's a dwarf from Kragadan. He's helped us a lot. Uh, this is Orin. Orin, this is uh, Warden Ranger Cop. Oh, Orin. Uh, I remember you I remember you uh, mentioning the name. I, I didn't have the pleasure to meet you, but I've heard some things about you, Orin. It's, uh, it's good to meet you now. <laughs> Hopefully all good things. I've heard very much good things, yes. Very much. Good, good. Well, uh, what, what brings you here? I mean, if you can teleport around, then uh, is, is there some news that you need, or are you just trying to look up on how we've been? Yeah, I mean, we're coming to check on you. Just uh, say hello, and then uh, we're just going to charge up into Deep the Fangwood to take on the Blight. You know, normal ranger stuff. His eyes go a bit wide again, and you can see, like, he goes a bit pale, and he's... Uh, I won't uh, question you, Jessup, but, um, I mean, you know the rumors about the Blight as well as I do. It, uh, it's not a place that you'd want to be going, but... Oh, trust me, I had to sit through an hour-long synopsis with another dwarf. I know. Well, then I'm sure you have your reasons for needing to go there, um... Well, basically, it's probably one of the only leads to be able to stop the Legion, so... 
Well, if that's the case, then it's a good reason for sure. And he kind of ushers you and is like, please come in, uh, have a seat in the, around the table here. And uh, as you guys enter the war room, you can see that there's maps all over the place and there's notes and, and paper everywhere. And a lot of it, if you, if you just like glance at some of these, there's a lot of stuff that's like managerial, like restructuring the rangers, uh, rebuilding things, all that sort of thing. And then there's a lot of stuff that's like intel, scouting reports, all that stuff, as well as the maps and whatnot. And he says, we've been uh, hard at work here, trying to rebuild the rangers as much as we can. And I think things are looking pretty good. Uh, at this point, we've probably recovered any of the rangers who had fled into the forest. I don't think we're going to be finding any more of them out there. Um, but our forces have bolstered a fair bit. There's over 200 of us now. It's still a far cry of what we once were, but it's a, a good place to start our rebuilding efforts, at the very least. I can give you a rundown of what we've learned, if you'd like, um, or if you have any specific questions. I'd be happy to make conversation with you. I don't know how how urgent this business of yours in the in the blight is. If you need to be on your way right now or not. Uh, Jessup looks at the crew. Um, yeah, I think we're kind of in dire straits, but um, I wouldn't mind kind of hearing how things are going. You know, range of stuff. Right, absolutely. Well, uh, as I said, uh, we've been rebuilding as much as we can. Uh, we're starting to shore up our strength bit by bit. Luckily, uh, Molthoon's uh, advances against us have suddenly gone quiet. They've, you know, ceased all activity, it seems, and that's kind of freed up quite a bit of time for us, and that's been a, a good breather for us. The only uh, bad news that I, I will have to bring up is, uh, well, maybe I should just show you. And he pulls out a map, and he actually gives it to all of you. And there's a handout that I will make available to you, and then I will show it to all of you. It says, this here is our current scouting estimates of the Legion's expanse in Nirmathos. As you might notice, pretty much everything to the south of the Meredith is uh, under Legion territory, with the exception of Kragadan itself. For the time being, your efforts in Long Shadow have kept the legion back they haven't made any strong efforts to cross again uh, at least not that far up the river um, but we are seeing some indication now of them moving even further south seems like they're they're cutting their losses in the hollow hills and redirecting their efforts to more easily take in territory uh, even breaching into Molthoon a bit it looks like and you can all see this map now, right? Yes. 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 So that's our current. That's where we're currently at. It's a. Uh, <sighs> not better Milk Creek. Oh no. I know. Karen's face is pale. He's thinking of the the siege on Kragadan, and if that's lifted, how in the world are they going to get back? So, are, uh, just out of curiosity, are we just bolstering the ranges, or are you setting out for like? attack parties and stuff we've still been bolstering at the moment uh, we've been, we've sent out scouting parties that's where we have all this information so far but we haven't dared to try to take any uh, military efforts quite yet we're we're pretty much at the brink of it like i said i don't think we're going to be getting any more recruits uh, or uh, find any more of the survivors uh, at this point so we're pretty much at the point where we're going to start discussing future offenses 
at some point, you know, when we come back from the blight, because you know we will, um, I think we're gonna make a you know attack right on the Iron Fang League, and if uh, everything goes right here, so I would just suggest if you can. My recommendation is try to bolster and uh, not try to do anything too reckless because uh, we're going to need everyone able-bodied. A um, bunch of allies. Uh, allies from Kragadon and, you know, some other places as well. We all got to band together. Aye, well, the Rangers will be at your side for sure. Uh, and I'll I'll make sure to take that under advisement, make sure that we don't make any reckless maneuvers while we're waiting for your return. Uh, the only thing that we'll have to consider is, you know, we still don't know where they're basing out of. Their biggest fort seems to be in Feindar now, but we don't really know where the rest of their forces are. It's something that we'll have to continue looking into while you're gone. Perhaps maybe we'll have that information by the time you get back. Well, about that. Yeah, we found out that uh, similar to Feindar, they have a uh, magic relic from Gragadan, Dwarven relic, where they can just spawn towers you know how like we kind of teleported on top of the uh, fort they can open gigantic portals to just have armies pour through so if they can sneak by they can almost open a portal anywhere right well uh, I hadn't been stressed out enough that's good but now <laughs> now I think I am uh, I will make sure that all of the rangers know to keep both eyes open at all times for any suspicious activity in the fangwood because we cannot allow them to spring up something like that in our midst. I worry, because we think that they were going up toward uh, you know, deep in the Fangwood to do something with the Blight. If they somehow managed to erect a tower up there, they could easily flank all of Nimithas. Goodness gracious, Jessup, you're just a fount of good news today, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, I'm alive and well. I mean, that's good, right? Well, yeah, I suppose that's true. So your efforts there in the Blight, then, are to make sure that their negotiations break down, or what's to get this artifact? Ah, uh, I guess we'll kind of wing it. Looks to the group, right? Kind of. Little column A, little column B. We're going to do our best, Cub. I see. Well, I mean, I've known you to be reliable in the past, so, I mean, if there's anything that we can do to help you, then by all means, ask away. Do you know anything about the Blight? <laughs> or where we can learn more? Only that it's something that we avoid to the best of our ability. We took efforts to specifically avoid it, so, I mean, none of the rangers were suicidal enough to actually study it too deeply. Did Orn know that Theros knew some stuff about the Blight? I can't yes, remember if I that believe, ever came up with Theros. I believe you were aware, maybe vaguely, of the fact that he had encountered a creature of the Blight before, because he had taken the campaign trait where he had... He was like Blight-touched yeah, or something, Blight wasn't Blight-touched, I believe, was what it was called, and he basically he got a free perception check whenever he was near an aberration or uh, whatever corrupted fey creature. So he knew a little bit. And you know that uh, he was actually headed off in the direction of the secret Dryad community, which only the Dryads know about, which is in the Fangwood. You don't know if it has been corrupted by the Blight or if they are staving it off in their own ways. And you don't really have any idea even where it is. None of the Rangers would know where it is. But we do know that he and Theros's parents also, the three of them, went up there. His his father, his human father, was taken, uh, I think, after the fact with his um, elf mother to head that direction. Come on, there's got to be a spell that exists somewhere in the world where you can communicate to someone that you know of. 
over vast distances. Oh, there definitely is. Yeah, there um, is. Isn't it sending? Sending, It's yeah. called sending. The question is, would the blight... Uh, interfere with sending. Interfere? Sending is It's evocation. A... The school is evocation. Sending is evocation? There That's you right. Go. That's right. Yeah, we could contact Theros. Hey, bud, I need to know a little bit about the blight. Yeah, you could. Contact a particular creature with whom you are familiar and send a short message, 25 words or less. The subject recognizes you if it knows you. It can answer in a like manner. So you can send a 25-word message and receive a 25-word message. Text Andrew right now. <laughs> Good, I'm your guest appearance. <laughs> hey, Andrew. What does Theros know about the blight? The blight. <laughs> 25 words. Respond. Go. <laughs> Just saying. It's an option. Just yeah, if you saying. wanted to do that, um, I don't remember what his voice was exactly, but... Uh, it's very soft-spoken, if I recall. Or if you wanted, you could just ask him if he remembers anything after this much time has passed. Let's, let's add him in the group chat. <laughs> after two years ago. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I doubt he would recall any <laughs> yeah. of <the> Let's <laughs> find out. Yeah. Hey, bud, you remember anything from the campaign that you haven't been a part of for a year and a half? You remember anything about that? <laughs> we need we need blight information. I don't know, just a thought. Just a thought that I had was maybe we could reach out to them because they might know something. Because he was a druid, so he knows druid things. We'll hear back next session. <laughs> but other than that, what... Uh... What would be your plan? Just take a hike from this point on? Take a hike. Because again, you know, it's, it's like a little less than a day. And if you used spells to help you, you'd get there pretty, you know, within maybe half a day. I think Gideon wants to spend a little bit of time here in Fort Chevalier just going over the uh, the battle plans and like verifying some things. Like he'd be curious what their intel has revealed as far as the garrison and Feindar. I mean, obviously we know that they can kind of move pretty freely, but how many are stationed there and, and what's a number? Because we haven't been able to put any numbers on anything yet. So that's kind of on his mind. Uh, verify that they haven't ventured it looks like into the forest yet at all their their see their advancement lines seem to be picketed right up into the edge of where the forest is it seems anywhere that you guys had been putting up strong resistance they kind of gave up on and focused elsewhere I noticed that I'm particularly curious if he knows how in danger um, like the Valley of Aloy and Ekru is that what that is yeah, Ekru, uh, you were there, uh, if you recall. Uh -huh. Ekru is the town that uh, you set off that nuclear bomb, basically, in. Do you recall that? Uh, so Ekru is pretty much destroyed. There's, like, not anybody there. There was never... People weren't living there beforehand because it had been taken over anyways, so... So this map, they don't hold control of there, but we know that they have access to the whole south of the Meredith. Yeah. That's not great, this is like most of the nation. Yeah, it's the vast majority of the nation. Yeah, Nermathus is is gone. It's gone. It's all just gone. I can't even say it properly because it's gone. Oh, to be fair, there was. It's not like it was fully, you know, densely populated. There was a lot of in between some of the towns, but yeah, it's a lot of land. Not Gillet. Yep, Gillet's gone. No. So yeah, you could spend some time in. Uh... Fort Trevally, getting the lay of things. Not too much. 
and he'll he'll give some you know basic advice maybe roll a knowledge or rank soldier or whatever just kind of giving his opinion on how the current operations are and bolstering different sections and you know improving supply lines things like that explaining why he smells like roses yeah just he, he doesn't make a big deal about it he just he doesn't make a big deal he's just he's just like listen i'm kind of a big deal <laughs> yeah exactly it's like, it's like yeah kind it's of a big sort, deal. <laughs> it's a little important yeah i think if uh the group's good with it i you know would say to just stay it another day just for Jessup to talk through ranger stuff just make sure they're in a good spot and everything and then head out if that's cool with the party yeah i mean you're basically the marshal so like oh, that's that's cab I, I mean, I recruited him. He's higher ranking than me. <laughs> but he's higher ranked than you. <laughs> yeah, with all of his uh, efforts, he is now a 16th level aristocrat. Oh, mm. wow. He has been given. No, he's not really. <laughs> I was like, that doesn't make any sense. The highest no, he... level NPC? He might have gained like a level or two of probably expert, would be the most clerical related. Uh, of the NPC classes. So he's probably like a sixth level ranger, two level expert or something. So Jason, I do have a very important question. Probably the most important. How are we looking on provision points at about this point? All right. Like, you know, how how many provision points do we have? You hush. (laughs) That's a time of the past that we don't need to revisit. (laughs) We don't need to talk about the We have enough money that Kieran can (laughs) teleport in food if we need to. (laughs) I just want to know how many provision points we have. How many PP points we got? You can can create feasts now that last (laughs) for days. Magically. I would say, I wonder how much time. So you guys left. uh, Book two ended on day 59 and you're currently probably on day like 140 wow you've got 482 provision points for, <laughs> for context that's really like less than six months yeah i mean yeah, it, hasn't, it hasn't even been six months it's been so the according to my notes again like you're on like day 140 so you're like a third of a year yeah not even that is harrowing that all that has happened in like four months it has been a <laughs> lightning, four lightning advance from the legion yeah you've been doing Jeez. quite a bit yeah i guess uh that that march and conquest is very very quick all right so you guys spend a day and familiarize yourself and then i guess the next morning or so bright and early you say your fa- farewells make sure you're all prepped make your way towards the runestone and the four of you march into the fangwood following Carburton's map to this uh, ancient dwarven monolith it takes several hours to reach your destination but with the help of the detailed map and uh, Jessup's geography it's not a very difficult journey but suddenly the gnarled trees of the fangwood you know that the fangwood's a very dense forest the gnarled trees part and a lush green clearing stretches for 50 feet in the center stands a 20 foot slab of blue stone etched with blocky runes and inlaid with gold and gems the uh cankers and blotches that mar so many of the local trees are absent from the foliage that borders this clearing a testament of the uh strong abjuration magic that this obelisk radiates uh, Carperton's ritual, as he said, 
takes you little over an hour as you chant in Dwarven and burn some rare mineral incense. Uh, during this time, the clearing is almost eerily quiet, but the ritual proceeds smoothly. When you finish, you chip off a small portion of the runestone and you can feel it in your hand tugging towards the heart of the forest. And as you progress forward, you travel for several more days deeper into the forest. The more you travel, the harder the travel becomes. And as you progress, you soon begin to see telltale indications of the dark light. At first you see trees covered in thick rope-like slime, then recognizably humanoid bodies caught in a web of fungus and fused into nearby logs, followed shortly after by six-foot-tall mushrooms with eye-like fungal growths covering their stalks. At one point, Jessup brushes up against a tree's trunk and feels it shudder, and as he looks towards it, a crack opens in the trunk to reveal a bloodshot yellow eye. At several points in time, you hear all ambient noise in the forest stop, save for a woman's laughter to echo through the trees for a short period, sending a chill down your spines before disappearing. This noise makes it particularly difficult to sleep at night. As you continue the following days, uh, you encounter a small hillock with a, a deep, scrabbling mark carved into the soil, leading to an enormous tree. Most of the tree's bark has been stripped, and on the bare wood in Sylvan are the words, Save us, she's killing us all, etched in and dripping with fresh blood. Later on, arranged neatly between some bushes, Gideon's high perception notices a pyramid of skulls with mushrooms blooming from their mouths and eyes. The skulls appear to be those of dryads. These horrid occurrences grow more frequent and more alarming as you continue on. And might be a little bit early, but I think that is where we're going to end the session this week. Thank <laughs> you.